Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's the April 27th edition of Weekly Manga Recap. Here we are, you and me, you and they, and they, and it, and other objects. Very good. Excellent. I don't know where that was even starting to go. It went a couple places. It, it, it dipped a little in there, dipped a little over there, you know. It took you on an adventure with yeah. my garbled introduction yeah like a real three-act story i appreciate it <laughs> that's, uh, what, that's what introductions are supposed to do yep, exactly uh, i will start this episode off by apologizing i'm a little bit sick and i want to give you the the, the reason for that so uh but there's a reason yes uh so we had the funeral uh last week oh. and then the not actually because of that uh, and afterwards, we had like a get together with like the family that came in at a pavilion and we didn't want people to bring food. So we had it catered by mm. a local burrito place that Mikey always like called Nito Burrito. Aww. And they have a particular burrito there called the Cowboy Crunch, which is like refried beans, like a, a meat uh, ranch dressing. I think there's like a barbecue and like the beans, like a couple other things. And then like uh, crushed tortilla chips in it. Really fucking good. Anytime I go there, that's like the go-to. So we ordered from them. You get a whole bunch of burritos. Most of them Cowboy Crunch, but they have a couple other things. Uh, and I eat one, obviously, there, Cowboy Crunch. And it's a, it's fantastic. I hadn't eaten anything all day, so it was very good. Uh, when we're wrapping up, we still have a whole bunch of burritos left. So we divvy them up between myself, my sister, and then my family that's going back down to Virginia. I get about six or seven of these burritos, and I wasn't the one that actually divvied them up. I didn't see if there were any cowboy crunches in there or anything like that. But I have a shit ton of burritos. And unfortunately, I know burritos don't keep particularly long. That's correct. So I'm like, well, I better eat these. <laughs> oh, no. So I ate three burritos in a day. <laughs> and these are fucking gigantic burritos i ate three and i was like god this is a mistake but this is what grief does to you, you just make poor decisions and i'm i'm like nauseous and uh, but then i'm like there's still like fucking four of these burritos left so every, <laughs> so every day i'm eating my i find out my mom doesn't like burritos so she's not gonna ah! this at all so i'm just eating these burritos every single day pretty much and I'm just every time I do it, I don't feel well like it. And none of them are cowboy crunches. I keep biting into it. And I feel like this is Mikey's like real last final joke is every time I bite into burrito, I'm just like, oh, it's just Cajun oh, chicken. It's, it's not a cowboy crunch at all. You know, you could check it before you eat it. <laughs> I just I subconsciously knew at this point they probably none of them were cowboy crunches. Aww. So I, 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 I'm get, I get I, I eat them to a point, I think, on Sunday. And there's one left, and I work again on Tuesday. And I said, you know what? It's this too long to keep a burrito, but I'm just gonna take it to work on Tuesday, and that's gonna and that'll be the end of it. No more burritos. The story ends there. Uh, and I'm talking to a friend of mine, Beth, who's like, hey, I want to visit you at the store on Tuesday, and she's like, I want to bring you some stew. And I was like, good, because if I'm not eating burritos, I'm eating garbage right now. Like, like I am not taking particularly great care of myself. So I was like, yeah, that, that actually would be pretty awesome. Stu sounds like it'd be really right, nice right now. So Tuesday comes along. I bring in that burrito. It's a fucking chore and a half. I bite into it, of course. It's not a fucking cowboy crunch. It's another, like, chicken massage. I don't know. It's, it's nonsense. The dirty laundry and yeah, a sock in it like a fishing hook I was like, gross 
<laughs> um, oh my god! Maybe the next bite will be better. <laughs> no, it was a perfectly fine burrito, but I'm not like you have to understand. I'm so tired of eating burritos that, like, unless it was a cowboy crunch, it was just it was just not going to be particularly enjoyable. And I get through about half it. I'm just like I don't even like. I'm still kind of hungry, but I cannot physically eat more of these motherfucking burritos. <laughs> so I wrap it up. To just throw away. And then my friend Beth shows up. Okay. She did not bring stew. Oh. She forgot stew. Or she didn't have it. So she's like, I heard you talking about how you didn't have any cowboy crunches. So I got you two more cowboy crunch burritos. And at this point, I have just committed to the idea that me and these Nito burritos are intertwined in fate for life like we're batman and the joker there is no one without the other (laughs) no matter what i'm always going to be eating a burrito for the rest of my life it's just how it's going to be oh my god i have to give you so much credit that is such a well-told story i haven't even told you what is potentially the topper to this? I think I hurt myself eating burritos because now kind of like I feel pain in my sternum when I swallow. I think I think I bruised my fucking esophagus eating goddamn burritos so much. You got, you got to a point where you were just like shoveling them down like your mouth didn't want to cooperate in the matter. So you're like, all right, just get it in there. Then I don't care. Don't 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 chew. Figure just, it out. Anaconda this stuff's coming in. Just get it down there. <laughs> So that's so again, if I feel sick, it's because even though that was yesterday and I still have another Nito burrito I left at work for the next time, uh, I'm just I feel like I'm residually burning off burrito depression, which I didn't know was a thing, but certainly feels like it is. Mm-hmm. Here, I thought I was going to be able to contribute something to the opening of this episode <laughs> because I had to fix my couch, but I, can, I think we'll save that. I was going to say, we could, you, could, you could back pocket it for later. Dude. Do it some other time. <laughs> oh, God. Guys, we have a lot of manga to talk about today. We are, we're we're, we're going to be double dipping on a few different things. We're going to be kind of reaching back in order to cover some stuff that we did not cover last week. So I think that we need to just kind of get into this and uh, see how much manga we can talk about. Can we talk about more manga than you ate burritos? <laughs> oh, my God. God. Probably not. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I, I've had like time, like the the last time that Nicole went to go and visit her family, she'd me a great favor by like cooking. Um, oh gosh, what was it? it was like crunch chicken or something. It was like cracked chicken or something yeah. like that. And so she just made this entire like tray of it, and it was just like, yeah, you can just you know eat this. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> and it was like, all right. The fifth day in a row of eating cracked chicken rolls, like I mean, this is good, but oh my god, I I, I can't keep eating this. I'm starting to, starting to see colors that I've never seen before, but they're scaring me. Chili chicken, Nicole texts me. Chili chicken, that sounds really good, to be honest. It is very good. Just, just don't put it in a burrito. I, I don't think I can put. I don't think I can put up with them. If it's just, I'm, like, now, just... I'm not gonna know how to eat food if it's not in a burrito form like i'm like what the <laughs> fuck do i do with this bagel and then i wrap it up in a tortilla shell <laughs> sprinkle a little fucking avocado on top of it and just oh 
you get that you get that stew finally and it's like what the fuck am i supposed to do with this you get the bowl and you fold it up <laughs> into a funnel <laughs> all right uh okay so we're gonna talk i guess first about a series that we didn't talk about last week but it was just because there wasn't a chapter last week. Uh, unexpectedly, uh, there were a few different ones that were just off last week. And uh, by the way, there are going to be almost everything off next week's episode because there's no jump coming out this weekend. So Hot we'll, dog. Have, yeah, we'll have to figure out what we want to do or if we want to do something. Uh, but anyway, so... It's My Hero Academia, chapter number 351. Two flash fires? Ah, so. They talk about the flash fire fist, which, I mean, I know it's the super ultimate move that Endeavor is passed down and stuff, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's not a thing at a point where, like, I just, it's entered my vernacular yet you know is like oh yeah of course the super special technique is just kind of like a weird thing that people say still so yeah. i don't know so also apparently there's like a hero wikia entry at the start of this chapter because it says oh the ultimate move flash fire fist this is how it works excerpt from the hero almanac is all right I assume Deco, uh, Deco, Deku did it. He's he. It's, he, calls, <laughs> he, it. he calls himself uh, fucking the Wikipedia and just goes with it. You imagine Deku getting into editing wars with other hero nerds? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. That's not a flash fire fist. That is a flash wave fist. It's not the same thing. They're and I different. think that if you do your research and you were a true hero, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know why it reminds me very vaguely. I saw a tweet and this made me laugh so much that apparently like the Scottish version of Wikipedia was just written by some person who just wrote the regular Wikipedia in a bad Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> and like you see it and it's the funniest shit in the world to be like, apart from this lone march, the UK surrounded by the Atlantic. Like it's just phonetically spelled like it would sound and it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, so basically, flash fire fist. Oh man, it 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 dis warps and distorts everything, and oh, it's the limits of Endeavor's power. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, Dobby unleashed the flash fire fist. His body is super on fire, and it's charring away. the The scar marks on his body have now just taken over like his entire torso. It's just entirely charred now, which I'm sure he's going to be fine after this. Fine. Yeah. Uh, so Tur Shoto is kind of in trouble because, uh, Toya is faster at heating stuff up than he is. Uh, and yeah, they're gonna fight each other. And Toya's like, even if dad were here, I'd still kill all of you. And Shoto says, well, I'm going to stop you. And Toya says, well, I've got, Hey, by the way, I've got some legit thoughts about you too, which is a way that he talks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so he says that 
when his fire was weakened, as was established in the previous chapter, uh, I had to turn up my firepower again, and the numbing of my body stripped away my limitations, which was ideal for allowing his lead with max output. There's a typo in the chapter. So I guess, yeah, that 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 makes sense. His nerve endings are damaged, so he doesn't care about how hot his body gets and how much he kills himself. It allows him to surpass his limits in a self-destructive manner. Sure. Uh, and then... Because Toya is a normal person who talks normally, he says, Are you a fan of All Might, Shoto? <laughs> yeah, in the middle of this fight. And, uh, Sounds fair. Uh, he unleashes these, like, s- like slash marks of flame in this huge tempest uh, around everyone, and everyone's forced to dodge them. It's called Hell Spider. Uh and uh, everyone's like, oh, no, is, is Shoto going to be OK and stuff? And Endeavor psychics are covering Shoto, uh, who has readied an attack. And he does uh, a thing. His body moves dramatically. Yes. And uh, but Toya, oh, he the hell spider thing was just a, a feint, and he dashes around behind everybody. And he and since he's sneak attacking, he says, There's one thing I'm just gonna ask, Shoto, <laughs> which is what you do before you launch your big attack before you do your sneak attack where you you got the jump on somebody. Mm-hmm. It's X Men rules, I guess. But uh, he says, What was with the look on your face while you were holed up at UA with all those scared little civilians? Which I don't even know what he's referring to. But anyway, he punches Shoto and sends him flying across the ground. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're the son of Endeavor and brother of Dobby. Calamity incarnate concentrated down into a boy-sized package, which is a way of putting things. (laughs) That is a way to describe him, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, So everyone's like, oh, man. Toya has got way more firepower than Shoto. He is in trouble. Uh, and But Toya keeps on ranting. And he's like, oh, you were blessed with the ideal body. You were, you were in a place where you could shine brightly. But still, you depend on other people. You're the boy born with everything. And you don't capitalize on it. And no one's willing to say it to your face. So allow me. You're a tough, big puppet. Say that one more time. You cut out. Some of the lies that he spits out. A thickness, half-baked puppet. <laughs> I really do like that Dobby used the word feckless. Like, I know that's what you translate it to, but it is such a hoity-toity word. <laughs> I really love the idea of Dobby. His fucking torso melting off his body as they speak. Stop to be like, you're rather feckless then, <laughs> my little brother. I do declare, if there were any sense of God in your nature, then you would denote that you have made a shame of yourself for all the days. What a great curse upon the family name you are. And anyway, I'm crazy. (laughs) The many foibles of yours that I can exploit right now. What a buffoon you've made of yourself. (laughs) Anyway, that is my eyeball melting out of my eye socket, so perhaps we should wrap this up. (laughs) Apparently, I've reached a boiling point of eyeballs. But not anything else. Yeah. yeah. The ocular boiling point. By the way, uh, all of 
Dobby's flesh keeps melting away. I like how his hair is still perfect <laughs> the entire time. Uh, so he punches Shoto in the gut with fire and blasts him into a fucking building. And Shoto's response to this is to make a speech because <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> Like, we do see he was able to pad the blow because he summoned, like, a shield of ice directly in front of his chest. He still went flying into a building. <laughs> but Shoto declares, all right, you're not wrong about me. I took the long way around and was full of doubt all the while. A half-baked dummy. That's me. Here I thought you were only focusing on dad. But no, you were nice enough to take a close look at me, too. Glad to know it. This is such weird dialogue for this situation. <laughs> They're kind of having like a catty fight right now. Like, yeah. Yo, you sure got me, big brother. Really, really cut right down to the core. Feckless. Bet you had to scour the whole dictionary for that one. Sort of like a Marvel movie where like the drama is kind of undercut by everyone just having like a couple too many witty remarks to say to each other. <laughs> it's just eventually like, are these people people? Like, I I don't know if they are. They just like Tony starts, you know, getting on, g- getting on Steve Rogers' case because he apparently is suddenly concerned with language, which doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah, <laughs> everyone tries to claim that's like a good moment for Steve Rogers. I was like, no, that was a stupid moment. It makes no sense why Steve Rogers cares that much about language. Like, remember this one character trait that was here for one movie and then was never brought up ever again because everyone agreed it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of cool when he threw a motorcycle, so I can't take everything away from Joss Whedon, aside from obviously going against his assault allegations and things Mm. like that. To be very clear about that, (laughs) as far as the creative quality of that movie, again, not great. But Steve Rogers did throw a motorcycle, which was kind of cool. Shoto reflects on the fact that he has been able to develop this move because he was working on the old move in the hope of keeping pace with the others. So, hey, iron sharpens iron and stuff. Being around his classmates helped him do this. And he declares, I've turned flash fire into something more. Now it's a move made to stop you. And we get a flashback of Shoto on the phone talking with his dad. And Endeavor's like, you should reconsider which teams we're on. And Shoto's like, what about all for one? And Endeavor says, out of the remaining heroes, you're the only one with any hope of opposing him. Just as Midoriya has to face Shigaraki. I mean, if if you're sure about that, I mean... (laughs) This is what Shoto is saying to his dad. Because his dad's like, I want to fight Dobby. And Shoto's like, you have to take on all for one because no one else can. So I get that. I, I do get that. Like... Shoto is saying he has to step up against Toya because it never has to not be focusing on his son. Yes. Yeah, well, so. it's also that even if he wanted to face his son, they need someone to take care of all for one's body. Exactly. And who better, or rather not even who better, who but the only option of the number one ranked hero. Right. Who better than Endeavor? <laughs> who better? Uh, so Shoto basically we find out is the one who was pushing for I'm going to fight Toya at this point. So, and he says, look, look, everyone's got a part to play in order to stop all the villains. And he says in the present, I may be your half baked little brother, but let me say this. Dad was a madman. Our family was screwed up, 
But when you burned all those people to death, that was your choice. You're not taking any more innocent lives. Just aim all your rage at us. And while he says this, he comes down off the building. His fist is immersed in fire as he declares, flash fire fist phosphor. Uh, and we'll find out, I guess, what that has done in the next chapter. So weird dialogue all throughout this. But the last three pages, pretty good, I would say. I think it's it's all right. I, I think this fight's amusing because um, it seems to posit the idea that fire is sort of like a kinetic force that does concussive power, like, and that the more fire you do, the stronger your punch as opposed to the hotter something would be, the more stuff would just instantly incinerate and melt around it. <laughs> right. So, like, the idea of, like, I'm going to burn a fire hotter than you. My punch is stronger now. And not just, I'm way too hot. Oh, my God. My intestines have boiled and exploded. <laughs> Maybe I could shield myself from this fire by setting myself on my fire. <laughs> like, I have to counter your fire by making my fire hotter. I was like, I don't quite understand what's happening but it looks you know, cool so I'm just you know it's up. it's like when you set part of a forest on fire so that it can't burn it makes perfect sense <laughs> it's it's just what it's like i totally accept that this is just how like battle comic stuff goes it is something that i was as i read the chapter i was like i don't quite understand mechanically what todoroki is doing but i'm happy he's doing it he seems like he's pretty happy yeah yeah that's that all right, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unlocked number 108, Reason. And we get a color page where they voted a for A couple the, color pages, yes, yeah. Yes, we voted the top 10 uh, sickest, or sorry, uh, the top tag team sickest popularity poll results. So, yes, this is tag team. And we have to put that in quotes because one of the things in here is very disturbing because otherwise it looks like it's romantic. Like Andy and Fuko are number one. Second is Shen and Mui. Uh, Juez and Victor are third. And you're like, yeah, like, I sh I see them being shipped. And it's like Rip and Lotla, Top and Ishin, apparently, whatever. Tatiana and Billy, though? That needs to, we need to clarify. This is just tag teams. There's nothing going on between those two. We need to clarify that as much as possible. And if you, if anyone suggests that they are, you need to get out. <laughs> I'm worried that the manga might be suggesting it at times. Please no. <laughs> she is half his age. <laughs> we are not going to address that right now. Instead, we're going to talk about the chapter, which starts in a flashback. As a young Rip pokes his head out of a bush and says, Leela, Lotla, you gotta hide me, please. And we are introduced to Leela and Lotla. Lotla, we already know, but Leela is the potential love interest, presumably, for Rip that he was very sad about before. Is it Leela or is it Layla? Top has got. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, go for it. <laughs> Rip has got no knees, Layla. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Layla is in a wheelchair and uh, they seem to already have a bit of a relationship going on uh, because Rip is trying to dodge all of his lessons, piano, painting, all of it. He doesn't care. Everything he finds is useless. Uh, and the sisters do hide Rip. Uh, there's a weird joke that Rip hides underneath Lotless skirt and they have like tense moments. But 
I don't care too much because Rip is like nine. It looks like at this time. Mm -hmm. So it's not cool. He does that. But I'm like, I don't know. Children are assholes. It's a weird thing they're doing. I'm not going to dwell on it. I do um, like the face that Lotla makes when he does it. I, it's a good and, face. Because if you read it in sequential order, you're just like, why is she making? Like, I thought she was like combusting at the very idea of covering for this kid. Like, I thought she was like, <laughs> me too. She had to hold it together because she's like, otherwise I'm going to fucking <clears throat> explode and tell everybody. Um, but we see that there's obviously like this tension between playful tension between Rip and Lotla. And then Layla just seems to be really smitten with uh, Rip. And Rip asks, like, hey, how's your health? And they say, uh, no good. I have 10 years left before my heart gives out. And they say that no one can repair it. And he's like, well, why are you crying? And Lotla's crying. She's like, I mean, I'm sad and frustrated. I asked if they could use my heart, but they said they couldn't. And, you know, Rip is like, of course they could use your vulgar heart. And he says, besides, that'd be admitting defeat. So he grabs the two sisters and he says, I'll fix you. As of this very moment, your is your illness is as good as cured because I've decided I'll do the tea, the curing. So we get like sort of a montage showing, oh, hey, Rip's getting really into his studies again. And the reason is because he wants to train to be a doctor. And he explains that a doctor has three weapons. The first is words, you know, just spending a lot of time with the girls to help lift the spirits. The second is herbs, finding ways that'll help actually medically lift up uh layla and then the third is a is verbs <laughs> you'd think that that's like words but it's not it's quite not. It's separate <laughs> uh, words herbs and laura derns those are the three tools of a doctor <laughs> um no he says a scalpel and lotla is there with them like wait you're gonna do what and he's like yeah i'm gonna perform her surgery i've gotten very well they're like hey you know layla's doctor is like famous light right like you you like if he hasn't been able to i guess you know what no they do say he shouldn't you just let him handle it and he says that guy's already thrown in the towel he's a quack a certified quack and lotla says well <laughs> the that's to the doctor's office and he's like proudly putting up a diploma that just says this is to ensure that dr hewson pepper is a quack <laughs> <laughs> and then like the camera pans and you see it's a duck doctor and it's like quack. <laughs> um, in this world why not <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um we uh, then lotla says that's why since i can't hear her medically I'll save Layla spiritually. And she pulls out her fortune telling orb. And I like this because this character was definitely written backwards. She was written to have a fortune telling gimmick originally. And at some point they were like, well, shit, <laughs> we have to tie this to everything. So Lotla decided the best way she could save her sister is to become the best fortune teller ever. <laughs> All right, Rip, in order to save my sister, you're going to need me help do, help me do this. All right, when the clients come in, hide under the table, and when I hit kick you, you've got to lift it up two inches. <laughs> uh, Why are we doing this? To save my sister! She, she claims that fortune-telling is a legitimate form of statistics with a vast amount of history and data to its name. And in this world, it might be. Yeah, it very well could be. There could be a rule that says spiritual, like, fucking uh, sorcery is real, and maybe it is, like, a, an honest thing. So, you know, um, 
Rip, though, of course, is like, this is stupid. So then we can see, like, a TV program that's like, Rip, 18 years old, is the youngest person in the country to have his medical license. The man said to have the healing hands of God, Mr. Rip Tristan. And I I always love when something is, someone is given a nickname in a situation they would never be given a nickname. <laughs> like, you gotta sensationalize it. Like, this is WWE, so you gotta have a couple names we can say when we when we write about you on the website. Even if they're terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, our writers just get bored writing the same name over and over. You've got to have the big dog, the juggernaut, the shield, yeah. the head, the table, the tribal chief. Uh... <laughs> That'd be great. Like top 10 at some point, like the top 10 dumbest WWE <laughs> nicknames. Oh, absolutely. There's I, some there's some bad ones. I'm I, sure that we could find out come up with a good one. So. I'd, have to, I'd have to look into it. That might be a fun thing to do. Uh, and then speaking lo- of WWE names, Rip Tristan. Yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> Dr. Rip Tristan. That is actually very true. Ninja points out they call him Mr. Rip Tristan. Maybe he didn't. He just gained his medical license. Is he not a doctor? He's not a doctor, I guess. <laughs> uh, we then get another TV report. This is the one that really makes me laugh. That Lotla has become a master fortune teller with 100% accuracy at reading tarot cards and palm reading, which I've had a couple tarot card readings done before. I don't know. A lot of that's just interpretation. Can't mm-hmm. any tarot card reader just say, like, I have 100% accuracy? Because you never, like... It's never like they specifically say things that right. are going to happen, you know? It's like saying Nostradamus has 100% accuracy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get her name, Miss Lotla Mira. So, hey, they're both on TV. They're both working really hard to save Lotla. Uh, we or uh, Layla. Uh, Lotla has specifically found a good day for the surgery. Um Rip is gonna, you know, do the surgery, so they're together, they're invincible. There's even a little tease that Rip is definitely doing it because he has the hots for Layla. Mm-hmm. Um, Layla is just like, oh man, you and my sister have always been there to help me out, like a couple of heroes. And she's like, I just can't even hope to compare, so please, forget about me and, and be with my sis. And he stops and he says, you know, let's get married when all this is over and kisses her and we can see... Lotla's in the background and she's she's crying, but she seems to be happy about all this. Yeah, it's a bit of an ambiguous uh, little image, given what we know about Rip and Lotla's current relationship. So and then we cut over and we find out what we already knew happened. Rip performed the surgery, but the incision would not stop bleeding because unrepair had activated. Although I don't believe they know it at this point. He's just like, Mm -hmm. why the fuck? Oh, my God. Why is it not happening? We need a blood transfusion. And Layla Basically reaches out. Um, I guess Lotla was allowed to be in the room where they performed the surgery uh, because she is there as well. And Layla just said, and Layla also was not under any anesthesia. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, and then Rip's like, wait, why is this procedure going so wrong? The quack doctor is there. <laughs> <laughs> the quack doctor has the, the anesthesia on his <laughs> Um, she just says like I didn't even think about that at the time. <laughs> well, I didn't even you know open heart surgery. You know you could be awake for that. <laughs> she just popped right out of it. <laughs> look, look in this universe, the, anesthesia again, doesn't exist. <laughs> this could be 
rules. There might be no like. There's no anesthesia. There's no baby. There was no pain admitted at this point. Pain hadn't been added to the world. Uh, you know, you know, maybe pain hadn't showed up. Uh, which is a great band name. Uh, so she's like, look, my death was just fated to be. So please forget about me. Use your scalpel. Use your crystal ball to save the lives of many. And we cut back to the present where Rip is fighting Andy. He just says, there's no way that I could ever forget her. I became a doctor to cure her. That was my whole reason for living. Slaying God, Ragnarok. I don't give a shit about any of that. I don't care about a world that she's not in. And I finally found it. Arc is the round table, isn't it? And in order to initiate the loop, you need points, right? It cuts back to that scene of Juez shouting to the moon that she was going to transfer all of her points to uh, to these two. So they know, like, Juez has lost all of her points. So that means you, as the, vectal, as the vessel for Victor, are the one with the largest number of points now. So hand them over. I want your points, all of them. I'm going to ride the Ark and repair Layla one more time. Yeah, so this points thing is uh, still quite uh, not 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 really defined right now. So we don't really still know what's going on. But I think that that's probably better for this very chaotic stretch that we're in right now with Undead of Luck. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, maybe there will come a time when it'll be all right to explain a little bit more of the rules. But for right now, you know, we're in the midst of the action. Don't bother bogging us down with that kind of stuff. Keep the drama high. Keep the action high. And and, and just keep on going until maybe we just enter this last reset. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely so. seems like where the story is headed. It's super exciting. I really like this conflict. I like Rip getting this flashback where we see a little bit more of himself and him becoming more and more, fall, falling more succinctly into that role of kind of like an anti-hero, you know? Yeah, I agree with your point that Lotla does seem like she was kind of written backwards uh, because in this case, it's like, oh, yeah, and things are going great for Lotla, too, because she was a really accurate fortune teller until she wasn't. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> it's 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 kind of just like letting her piggyback off of the, the like, really she... horrible tragedy that happened with Rip. Yeah, it's like she needs to have been involved in everything, but. The only established trait we've given her to this point is that she reads fortunes poorly. So I guess yeah. maybe that's her ability, though. Maybe it's like unfortunate. Yeah, probably just unfortunate. So, um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. OK, so let's go back to last week's chapter of Boruto. And talk about uh, captives, which is the title for chapter number 69. And it's the sexiest chapter of Boruto oh, so far. Yeah. Ada's in the house and everyone's attracted to her. Yeah. And they show this by. Well, so, okay. Last time, Delta had code pinned down with her tendril foot thing. And Ada shows up. And everyone goes, oh, it's Ada. And Amato goes, oh, my God, it's you, Ada. And Ada says, still the same old stupid reactions. Huh, Amato? Which is like, he he's shocked that she's alive. So I don't know why that's nope, a stupid No, just reaction. like my big, dumb old dad always shocked by me being alive. Isn't that right, you big, dumb idiot father? So Delta responds to the new intruder by being like all right i'll just get rid of both of you and she tries to launch a kick at ada but her foot stops just short of ada's head 
And Ada just kind of nudges her foot down and she says, you're flashing me, Delta dear. I can see your panties, which she's wearing like striped tights. I was going to say, I just assumed outfit. those were tights. Apparently, I guess they're not or stop. I don't know. I was like, when she said that line, I was like, flashing what? Yeah, I, I don't know. She nudges the leg down and everyone's shocked. And then and, and, and she's like, oh, and, and drop the other leg, too. So she lets code go. And Shikamaru's like, what are you doing? And Ada and Shikamaru is in mental contact with Eno and says he needs backup. But then suddenly we cut away to a conversation between Sasuke and Boruto. Always fun. Always the well, best. I mean, it is better than what's going on over here. Uh, so it's true. <laughs> So Sasuke apologizes because it was his responsibility to stop Momoshiki, but he wasn't there when Boruto needed him. And Kawaki had to take on the painful burn that he did. And he just says, look, the village doesn't need to hate anyone else besides me, which given he is allowed to come and go as he pleases, maybe he's overestimating how much people hate him. Like, it's not like he comes home and he finds out that, like, his home has been spray painted and Sakura and Serata are being constantly harassed because they're the family of a monster. Like, <laughs> this, this, they, they don't hate you that much, dude. <laughs> so, anyway, they, they establish the point that, yeah, Sasuke knows that Kawaki killed Boruto. Sasuke establishes only a select few know, which sounds like it's going to be an ambiguous amount that is just going to like conveniently add people to know about it as we go forward. But anyway, and, and he's like, look, it, if people more people knew about it, I mean, Kawaki or has to deal with a lot of people disapproving of him being here. And Boruto says, but I asked him to do it. I told him to kill me. It's not right that he's getting blamed. <laughs> it's like, which is... <laughs> Technically true. A weird line of logic to take us. But why are people upset about him helping me to kill myself? (laughs) It was fine. I got better. Sure, we didn't know that would happen at the time, but I'm fine now. So Boruto then goes on to say, he's the only one I could have made such an unreasonable request to because we acknowledge each other as bros. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want me and him being bros to just be like the Shiki needs friendship of this. Like <laughs> that there's no like I wanted to be like Quacky burned down the orphanage. He's like, well, but we're bros. And that's sometimes bros do mysterious things. <laughs> bros work in mysterious ways, Sasuke. That's how it works. He did it cause we're bros. <laughs> he understood and accepted my resolve. As bros, and Sasuke just pauses and goes, "Brothers, I huh?" Children. <laughs> it's like, yes, that's what bros He's means. Like, yes. What about your kid? Oh yeah, <laughs> I have I, one of those. I mean, I imagine that the idea is at this point that Sasuke is reflecting on a his relationship with Naruto and b his relationship with uh Itachi. oh gosh. Itachi. I almost said the wrong the wrong Uchiha name. I was like, wait a minute, no, not Madara. That You're was like, his relationship with Donzo. <laughs> I hated that guy. <laughs> My best friend. Wait, no, no, wait. he sucked. I hated him. He had a bunch of my family's eyes in his arm. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was really fucked up. Now that I think about it. <laughs> 
So, uh, he tries, Boruto tries to give back Sasuke's headband and Sasuke's like, eh, you keep it. Boruto's like, oh, but it's a memento of you and my dad. And Sasuke's like, I don't, re- just keep it, kid. Just, just, it's fine. Oh, thanks. I'll treasure it. Yeah. Okay. And Whatever. puts it on. Because <laughs> Boruto is not all here right now, it feels like. So, oh, man, but it's not fair that Kawaki is being blamed for killing me. Hey, this is a cool headband. Yay! <laughs> Whoa, sweet. Anyway, let's cut over to a much better character and a much worse character. It's, be- <laughs> it's uh, Mitsuki and, and Sarada. And they're watching Boruto and Sasuke talk from um, the other side of the alley for some reason. I don't know. It's very <laughs> cinematic. Not like in an actual way. But Just in a WWE the way. Idea, the idea of it was cinematic. Like, what if they're watching each other from across the thing? Like, well, can we portray that in an interesting way? No, there'll just be one small panel establishing that these two conversations are happening next to each other, but far enough away that no one hears it. What are transitions, really? So, so Mitsuki says, if things had got wrong, Boruto would be dead. Master Sasuke is likely feeling guilty as his teacher. I certainly do. Even now, when I think that Boruto could have died without me being there to help, it still gives me chills. Yes. Mitsuki being there would have made all the difference in the world, I'm sure. Uh, And also, he says, if someone were to kill Boruto, I don't know what I would do to that person, which I really do wish we had seen more of the actual team of Boruto, Sarada and Mitsuki before all of this started to go down, because despite the fact that this series has been going on for as long as it has, it really feels like their relationship is still underdeveloped. And I, I was going to w- say, this this is a line that probably hits a lot harder when you watch the anime, when they've had adventures together and had, like, interesting character interactions. And you can, and then you would be able to see, like, okay, yeah, I believe that Mitsuki would potentially go on a fucking vengeance-fueled rampage if his good friend Boruto, something were to happen to him, so... Uh, anyway, what he said was kind of fucked up, and so Serata's like, uh, <laughs> and Mitsuki says, oh, sorry, yeah, I guess I did, just did say something kind of messed up, sorry about that. And I'm like, ah, dude, you're cool, don't worry about it. Let bygones be bygones, come on, bud. Uh, Serata says that she's shocked over what has happened. She's also relieved that Boruto has survived, but she also says that she feels angry at herself. And she says, look, it's not his fault. It's not his fault that this happened. I just feel like, why are we, are we really that undependable? I want to be able to help him more. And then she says, yeah, you know, maybe I'm like mad at myself. And Mitsuki says, so you do like him, Boruto. And Serato rightfully says, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> and Mitsuki's like, but you are girl and he is guy. You can't be friends. You must want to like him and kiss him and stuff. And Serato, like, I'm sure that that's the direction the series is taking with this. Yes. Because, yes, heteronormative shonen relationships. But she says, very logically, I'm 
that doesn't have anything to do with what I just Just said. We're not in. Where is this conversation starting from? I don't understand. Look, we're teammates, and I feel bad that he couldn't rely on me to literally protect him in his most, you know, tumultuous and dangerous time. But Mizuki just keeps on saying, oh, I wonder if it's hard to tell what your own feelings are. I guess it doesn't matter. As far as like, he just kind of right. starts gaslighting her about her own feelings. He's like, yeah, I guess maybe you don't even know about it. Like, I don't know, fuck off. How about that, bud? And that's right. It's like, I mean, your eyes light up when you look at Boruto. And Mitsuki's like, oh. No. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, and also, Serata's like, also, my dad's like closer to Boruto now than he is to me. God. <laughs> So Mitsuki concludes, all right, well, both of us have to get stronger so that we can face down a Notsusuki in the future. We're going to need resolve and we're going to need power. And Serata wraps it all up by saying, yeah, because I won't be fit to be Hokage otherwise. It's like, all right. Well, God, I, I miss Serata being important. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kawaki wakes up. Sumire is there. Naruto is there. And Kwaki is like, huh, yeah. And Naruto says, this reminds me of the first time we met. Yeah, we seem to keep on having important conversations while one of us is hospitalized, aren't we? Don't we? <laughs> uh, Naruto asks for some privacy from Sumire, but before she can leave, Kawaki says, you're not going to condemn me for killing Boruto <laughs> right in front of her? <laughs> Only a select few people know about this. <laughs> Uh, and Samir is just gonna like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> uh, Kawaki is shocked to hear that Boruto is fine because the karma's power saved him. Samir is like, what the hell? Kawaki killed Boruto? <laughs> but what will this mean for the romance that we're clearly being pushed towards for no reason because we've been, we're a guy and a girl who have shared two scenes together? <sighs> so... Uh, Naruto says, like, uh, Boruto is okay, and if you hadn't been there, we might have all died, and Boruto feels the same. I've said this before, but look, you belong here. Everyone in Kanaha's family to me, including you, but his important, you're still my Nakama speech, uh, gets interrupted because he gets a message from Ino and says, Shikamaru's in fucking trouble in Lab 3. And Sasuke starts to make his way there because he's been contacted, too. And he, uh, tells Boruto that they need to go. Uh, Naruto leaves Kawaki and Sumire in the hospital. Uh, he says that, yeah, everything's fine. Anyway, we finally cut over to the room. Ada starts using her very practical footwear to stalk towards Shikamaru. But Shikamaru's got his shadow clone thing attached to her. But it does not really much. Like, it stretches out towards her. And she says, oh, I see. The jutsu doesn't directly inflict harm, so you can actually attack me. Which... Kind of feels like it's not violating the letter of her ability, but very much violating the spirit, yeah. which is like her brother's the one who can't be attacked directly. She makes everyone not want to attack her at all. So, all right. Sure. Just sure. Uh, Shikamaru is like, what's going on with me? Go- on with me? I feel all out of whack. Am I starting to get a fever? Meanwhile, God, Delta is such, frozen. It's such a monumentally bad idea 
to have like a child character whose gimmick is people fall in love with her be surrounded by adults like it's just such a bad idea <laughs> like Ugh. uh shikamaru starts using ino's ability to mentally link him and amato so they can talk more uh and he's like who is this what's her ability why we counter it and amato says her name is ada to sum it up all of us in here are currently her captives and shikamaru's like what do you mean and amato says it sounds ridiculous but it's the truth it doesn't sound ridiculous at all clearly none of you can act around her so it doesn't sound ridiculous that's just an observation you're not actually explaining anything she enchants us on an instinctual, unconscious level. No matter your gender, you, Delta, me, no one can escape this ability of hers. And, oh, he mentioned Delta, and we cut over to Delta, who's suddenly blushing. And she puts her hands to her face and just goes, she's so cute! Which, all right. Sure. So... Shikamaru's like, how is this possible? And Amato explains, well, different people get different symptoms between headache, vertigo, fever, uh, impaired he, judgment. He some start, He just starts reading off an ad for medicine, like the side effects are like, you might be experiencing headache, vertigo, fever, impaired judgment, stiff and muscles from extreme tension. Like, it just keeps going on. <laughs> and then Ada says, not Ada, Amato says, and some simple types like Delta just become infatuated. You don't know anything about Delta. She just came out of that coffin over there. No, he did work with Delta, remember? She was a part of uh, the uh, what, Kara or whatever, and so was, oh, so right, was Amato. Yeah. They, they, they have some history. He, he does probably know that. He's like, no, she's dumb as shit. I've seen her play old man. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so Shikamaru's like, well, then how do we defeat it? And I was like, you can't. <laughs> All right, Sorry, thanks, she buddy. has a stand power in a universe where no one else has stands, so we're <laughs> shit out of luck. What would her stand ability be called? Uh, cold hard bitch. Yes, I agree. Okay, so uh, Amato's like, all right, well, you can try and stop her if you want, but it's futile. Uh, Shikamaru is so, struggling so much that he can't even maintain the shadow possession on Code and Ada. And Ada's like, come on, just relax. And Shikamaru's like, oh, I've got to stab her. Uh, and he keeps on trying to get up and stab her with a kunai. This will totally work. And Ada's like, oh, wow, what incredible force of will watching you. I almost want to cheer you on instead. Uh, he drops the and he drops the kunai. He couldn't do it. And I was like, you can't do it. You suck. You can't do it. You're too weak. You can't You're do it. <laughs> He's so helpful. Uh, Shikamaru's shadow position releases. He can't maintain it any longer. Code gets up. Ada is still standing, of course. And Shikamaru's like, oh, man, even Naruto and Sasuke wouldn't stand a chance against such an ability. They would just be all over her so hard. Anyway, Code goes over to Amato and very lightly presses his hand against the wall. But then he plunges his claw into his shoulder uh, while Amato goes, Gar! Arg! Uh, and Code says, Lots of nerves converge here. Hurts, no. He's basically like shoving his claw into the Vulcan nerve pinch spot. Uh, 
So and Shikamaru recalls Amato saying like, "Oh, I will break under pressure so hard." And he's like, "Oh man, okay. Hey, Ada, why are you helping Code? Do you have some grudge against Konoha? I don't know why he's thinking of this." But Ada he's says, to "Think of this out." He's like, "I can't beat her, so let me talk to her. Maybe I can mentally work this conversation out." Maybe. So Ada says, "Well, I mean, like Code's got a personal motive." against Konoha, but I don't really care about it. And Chikamaru says, all right, why are you working with him then? And Ada says, yeah, sure, I'll tell you. I mean, I don't really have a reason to keep it a secret. I like Kawaki. And then, and while Shikamaru was going, wait, what? She covers her face and blushes and she says, and I quote, OMG, I said it. Sure. So, uh, Amado, who is a smart character, look at him, he wears glasses and everything, goes, Ada likes Kawaki? Yes, that's what she said! <laughs> Why do people in manga talk like this? <laughs> so, but she says, yeah, I just, I just, I'm just getting Code's help on that matter. And in re- return, I'm helping him regain power. So Shikamaru says, okay, thanks. He mentally contacts Eno and says, all right, uh, I'm switching plans. So change the lock release code for this door's room's door now. And Eno's like, well, why? Well, look, I know I requested backup, but I don't want Naruto and the others to come in. So can you stall them somehow? Not, hey, can you call Naruto and Sasuke and warn them to stay away? Which I guess they would ignore it, but like that's the first thing is it just can you just like lock the door so that the most powerful ninja on the planet is slightly delayed getting in here? <sighs> anyway, so Ada's like, oh, you just thought how foolish about me, didn't you? And Shikamaru's like, no, 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 I think it's great. I, I kind of want you kids to work out. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you come over to Konoha? We could like help each other out. And then you could tell Kawaki how you feel. And Code to end the chapter just turns and goes, What? <laughs> Which Oh man, it would be really funny if Ada just bails on Code. He's like, Oh, oh god damn it. Oh god damn it. <laughs> he gets back uh, to where Worm is or wherever and he, oh. he just like what weevil what is his name bug. i forget bug yeah and he's and he's just like oh man my plan's ruined i can't resurrect all the, the yotatsuki and it is not returning my feelings what's up with that yeah. like, I, <laughs> she read my text like it says red but she hasn't responded so maybe your phone's broken that's gotta be what it is right because like even though our partnership dissolved our future together is just as bright and optimistic as ever and that's where Bugs like, she's not around to be using his infatu- her infatuation on him. He's just really down this <laughs> bad for her. <laughs> I should just start buying her flowers now. All right. So, honestly, I like the idea that the villain's alliance is so terrible that Chikamaru is just like, well, I mean, we could give you that if you become our ally instead. Yeah. And I am actually half thinking 
this might actually work. (laughs) It would be kind of funny if this ends up working. Yeah. All All right. right. On the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, boy. This chapter is good, but it's depressing as shit. So, (laughs) Spy Family, chapter 62.2. Oh, boy. A missile hit the warehouse where Lloyd would go to play as a kid. And all of his friends are presumably dead as the Estadian army is invading. Another bomb goes off on the street where Lloyd is. A bit of debris hits him in the head. So fortunately, he was wearing the army kit. And so a helmet prevents him from dying. Instead, he just gets knocked out. When he comes to, buildings have collapsed all around him. There is destruction everywhere. A giant two-page spread as a child looks on at the destruction brought about by pointless war. Yay! Manga! Uh, He looks around at all the destruction. Uh, Random adults say like, hey, kid, you've got to evacuate. The Ossanian army is invading. And Loy is just saying to himself, they said there wouldn't be a war, though. Like he's in shock over this everyone said there's no way there's going to be a war his mother comes running even in this very desperate moment her when she calls out his name it's blotted out because that's classified you can't know his name uh she runs and embraces him and she checks to see if he's okay and she says look we gotta go home we gotta gather our things we're gonna stay with my uncle in keelberg and Twilight is saying, but what about school and the town fairs tomorrow? He just is he's in shock and he can't come to grips with the situation as they leave. And we get a very brief montage of them, you know, grabbing some stuff and leaving the destroyed town. We see bits of, you know, like people huddled together, uh, items belonging to dead children. Yay. Uh, and then when they get to uh, his mother's relative's place, uh, Twilight is just curled up in a corner while we hear some news reports about the invasion. And he just thinks to himself, grownups are liars. They said there wasn't going to be a war. And all the important people said there'd been an agreement. Our countries would be friends. Even my own dad. He promised that when he came home, we'd go to the town fair. But he didn't come home. And I'm a liar, too. I told a lie to get 10 dog. When dad comes home, I'm going to tell him the truth. I have to tell the truth. Which, oh boy. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you can see the way that the child logic, you know, equivalent, it, you know, makes it all equivalent in his mind. Uh, but it's a very heartbreaking way of putting it. It's, even even though it kind of also takes the bite out of it in a way. It's, yeah. it's weird. He hears explosions outside and embraces his mother, who assures him that everything is going to be okay. And he says, but I want to go back to Lewin. What if dad came back home and I want to play with my friends again? And she doesn't have an answer for him. She just holds him tighter. We're not done. It gets worse. Fun, fun. One day, Twilight's out fishing. Hey, he's having happy times again. Sirens go off. Bombs are happening. He gets shoved into a shelter by a giant mob that is all racing towards a bunker. He gets dragged towards it. There is tumultuous chaos and panic as everyone is just shouting at each other. And he's crying out for his mother who didn't make it into the bunker with them. As soon as the, the, the air raid is over, he opens the door and rushes outside. And he rushes while bombs are still going off. 
back home to see his mother and we just see a two-page spread of nothing but like various debris in the air and uh his mom's dead too yep most likely most likely uh we don't really see anything we just see more destroyed streets and we find out that twilight wandered the streets alone for years homeless he had lost everything he cared about the only things left in my world were the things I despised. And we see Twilight as a young adult in military uniform holding machine gun. And he looks fucking murderous. And he says that was reason enough to pick up a gun. We find out that uh, he actually enlisted in the military when he was too young to. He lied about it. And he lying clearly became more natural to him. He says that he lost his birth certificate in the bombings. Uh, we see him just participating in battles. Uh, there is an image of him in silhouette uh, sitting on a pile of corpses of people that he's killed. And he just thinks to himself, fault is going on. How many tens of thousands of corpses had to pile up before I'd finally see the light of dawn on the horizon? But then he hears someone coming through the woods. He fires a shot at them, doesn't hit them. And who should be there running away from someone? Tears running down his face and snot coming from his nose. But Frankie, who says, don't shoot. And that's where the chapter ends. Fun times. It's a very jarring conclusion to the chapter after it goes very, very, very subtly into hell up until that point. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a distressing chapter. Uh, it's brilliant and beautiful and terrifying. So, yeah, I mean, it's it shows that uh, spy family, while being excellent at being funny and having good action, can also be uh, authentically raw at times, which he kind of already knew that there'd been speeches and things to that effect that seemed to show that this manga was taking its subject matter relatively seriously. Uh, but this was definitely a chapter where you're just like, all right, so my heart feels like it's just been punched, <laughs> like just yeah. right into the heart. So, yeah, this is the kind of shit that uh, that Lloyd's uh, handler was talking about when she gave her big speech about, you know, what war is. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. On that, note, zero. <laughs> let's talk about a uh, chapter as equally as serious. In Zero, so chapter 189, Rebecca versus Clown. And the cover page is uh, Valkyrie teaching a young Kimura how to play a card game. And it's very cute. It's yeah. very cute. I just want to kind of sit on and dwell on it. <laughs> All right. Rest of the chapter blows. So here we go. Um, <laughs> the chapter opens. Shiki's like, it beats you up. You suck, wizard. And wizard's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with Ziggy. That 18 years ago, he lost his memories. That's not the real Ziggy that you knew. And she's like, yeah, that's why it doesn't add up. Why would he erase his friend's memories? And why are you in those memories? And then we cut over to Urza. Sorry, not Urza. Uh, whatever her name is. Elsa. <laughs> 
and she's been handcuffed to a pole, and she's in her underwear for some reason. That part I didn't quite understand, but whatever. Well, I had to treat the wounds to your torso, which is why I took your pants off. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, last time I think we saw her, she was in, like, the One Piece thing. But yes. I also don't know how clothes work when her entire thing is changing. Regardless, it's a strange thing that I'm just like, we're just going to go on past it. Um, Justice is like, hey... I fixed up your wounds. And she's like, why? Aren't you just going to kill me? He's like, no, I'm going to take you to court and you're going to be tried and then I'll kill you. And she's like, well, Ziggy just taught me that you might regret not killing somebody when you get the chance. And he's like, yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. And she's like, wait, you're not staying on this plant to fight Ziggy. And he's like, no, Holy's going to take care of Ziggy. In fact, all of the Eurasian Six Galactica are are on the or Interstellar are on the way. So Cure, Eraser, and Feather, all of our favorite characters are going to be here. Nick, this is going to be a huge arc. Can't wait. But what you're telling me is Justice won't be there. Yes, he's definitely going to leave. <laughs> um, Urza, Elsa, whatever her name is, uh, is basically like I like because Justice says something like I can't believe you lost, and she's like. Well, it's just that for a moment, Ziggy was the old Ziggy again. And uh, just like that was just part of his plan. She says, I'm not sure. I just can't help feel there was maybe a part of his old heart back inside uh, inside of him still. So I also can't help feeling this breeze going right down my cleavage. <laughs> you know, it's a tough time. Uh, we cut over to Rebecca and the clown circus area i guess it's just circus i don't know why i was trying to find a fancier name for a circus clown emporium uh and she uses her tail to get back on the tightrope the clown rope the clown the clown stretch thingy (laughs) um the clown's line the clown line exactly uh she goes to kick clown in a panel that is amusingly drawn and she misses because he just dodges. And he's like, oh, what's gotten into you suddenly? You're all raring to go. And she says, apparently. The fact that he's just talking normally down is jarring to me after his introduction mm-hmm. before where he just had the status video game text instead. Well, you know, that would be a lot <laughs> of work to like thematically make that make sense throughout his whole character. Whereas. Look. It's very I'm dedicating easy. a lot of energy to drawing to, to drawing certain parts of Rebecca getting increasingly large, okay? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you noticed that too? Good. Uh, so Rebecca says, apparently my overdrive improves the sense of balance in my feet. And Happy says, of course, because Cat Leaper is always centered in her legs and her feet. And we get the one good joke of the chapter where Pino says, well, actually, <laughs> equilibration is really done in the ear. And... <laughs> And Rebecca just cuts him, cuts Pino off. It's like, the details aren't important. I was like, it is actually kind of funny that Pino's like, actually, it's the ear that really controls balance. Also, like, the, the, your center of gravity is nowhere near your feet. <laughs> yeah, it was like definitely because here's the thing. It's a dumb thing that makes sense in a manga way. Like, oh, her whole gimmick is her legs. So her legs would be powerful and thus she has a great sense of balance. But then like a character in a funny way points out like, well, that's not how that works. <laughs> and it's it's like, all right, every so often we can get a good joke. Um, Clown says, wizard did say we have permission to use overclock. Surprised you need permission for that. 
Yeah. Uh, but he's just like, I won't need it against you because you're the weakest of them all. And Rebecca's like, Sue, who cares if I'm weak? I don't care. I can help my friends. And she kicks Clown in the head and knocks him off the tightrope. But then he smiles. He's like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We cut over to the Eden Zero, where Labilia and Couch Poe are hunkered down somewhere as Couch Poe just eats a shit ton of food. And she says the line, oh, Libby, maybe it wasn't such a good idea for you to stay on the ship after all. I'm sorry. Did you not drop any of the civilians off <laughs> someplace else? They can't do anything on the ship. Listen. Labilia might be in immediate mortal danger at any time because of her condition, so she needs to be near sister. <laughs> I guess that might be the logic they're trying to go with, but it really... <laughs> Who's not on the ship right now? <laughs> it really did blow my mind. <laughs> the idea that they, they're just like, there's just a ship full of, like, fuck, like, they're just random civilians on this ship. <laughs> like, couch post, like... Maybe we should have dropped the, the orphanage off after... <laughs> Couch Bro's like, the team needs the chef to be on board. Like, no, we don't. We really don't. You're not the chef. Again. <laughs> we have a machine that makes the food. You just eat a lot of it. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying it doesn't qualify you to be the chef of the ship. Um, Labilia is just like, no, I can't run away because Rebecca's out there fighting. And I, I couldn't possibly do that. And then they play Rebecca's last video where she talks to her channel about basically being like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while, guys, because there's an important mission I'm going on, and I'm going to protect all the people I care about. And it's dangerous, but I promise I'll be back. And uh, I did stop. I was like, I just, I just thought it wasn't known that Rebecca is on the Eden Zero. I think like, would that not just be public knowledge at this I point? Don't know. <laughs> so she's just like cool. she's like Chopper with the of the with the straw hats, where it's like people are aware that there's a B cuber on the crew, but they don't really pay attention to her. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just like, I'll see you guys soon. And Lavilia starts crying, and she's like, It's not fair. Why did Rebecca have to get dragged into all this fighting? She's just a video streamer. And Couch Pose like, Look, she said in her video she thinks of the people on the ship as her family. And you know, Billy's like, that doesn't mean she has to go out there and fight. And Billy is like, look, that's for her to decide. I don't think that means she's scared or, she, or she's not scared, but her desire to help her friends is bigger than her fear. And that's what's moving her forward. And it's one of those moments where it's like, you know, Couch Pro can say wise things every so often. It just sucks that that is where her personality ends and food just takes over. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not a bad moment overall to see like the two normal people talking about things that are kind of beyond them because they aren't fighters. They don't get involved in all this shit. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Why would you do this and stuff? It's, you know, showing like, hey, there's a different standard here. And I do like this moment of also because it, hey, it builds up Rebecca as a character, be which, of course, is the main intent of it. Yes. I don't really get why uh, we're doing this next bit here but <laughs> uh, labilia just says fine and that means i have the right to protect her too so she rushes out presumably to save her i don't know how she's going to she's on the ship and rebecca is in a clown dimension <laughs> but <laughs> i hope next week she just shows up and there is no explanation for how she got there 
Yeah. Uh, we cut back to the clown dimension, and the clown cuts the clown thread that was holding Rebecca up. So she falls. Uh, but she lands, she says, it's okay, cats always land on her feet. And then she did not proceed to eat shit, which is wh- the only funny and good way for that scene to have ended. No, but Clown. hey, Hero did something just as good. When she landed, we got a good shot of her butt. Yeah, that's what people that's, want. That's, that, hey. So Clown snaps their fingers, a ring of fire encircles Rebecca, and just says, for our next deck, we now have a ring of fire. And Rebecca's hips grow three times their size for that shot. <laughs> it's uh, a bit weird because Rebecca's shape in general, yes, she's very curvy. That ratio is not what it was at before. It's a little noticeable. <laughs> I, it, it's it's rather distracting, but you know what? So be it. It maybe makes someone happy. Well, it made Hero happy, I'm sure. So <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's move over to Akane Banashi, story 11, myopic. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I always forget. So, uh, hey, last time. It's actually myopic. Is that true? It's it's myopic. Okay. So we see that uh, Akane, yes, actually has to do stuff associated with school. That whole thing at the end of the last chapter, that wasn't just a joke. That is what the next couple of chapters are going to be about, is her dealing with her school situation. Uh, I had completely forgotten that Akai's, uh family name is uh, is Osaki. Uh, it's uh, just not something that has generally come up because, you know, everyone just calls her Akane. But uh, she meets with her, uh, her homeroom teacher. Uh, let's just call her Machiko, I guess, because... I, if I have to say Iwashi Mizu over and over and over again, I'm going to get my tongue tangled in a, in a knot. So uh, so she she says, hey, you haven't turned in your career future plan survey. You're the only student in the class who hasn't done it. You need to be more diligent about this. And when I look over your recent midterm exams, hey, you worked hard. You didn't fail. And it kind of is like, yeah, I tried really hard this time, which just immediately backfires on her because her teacher just says, oh, so you weren't trying before. Well, I mean, this is yeah, by your own admission there. Yes. Uh, but she says, OK, look, we got to talk about this based off of the grades that you've currently got here. Are the schools that you can get into and it kind of says, oh, no, 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 no. that's not going to be an issue. I'm going to be a Rakugoka, so I'm not going to apply to any companies or colleges. And of course, uh, Machika was taken aback by this. And she says, well, all right. Uh, if you're into Rakugo, then the colleges that are in your grade range that have a Rakugo club on campus. Let's look into that. And Akai says, but I'm not going to college. And Machiko just says, look, I'm going to be direct with you. If you don't go to college, if you don't apply for a job after high school, you're putting yourself in a very difficult position. And if you choose a career in Rakugo, look, I, I can't approve of that. So Akane immediately, like, we should know, like, based off of how we, what we learned about her in the, in the beginning of the chapter, how she was going to react to this, which was, all right, have you ever seen Rakugo before? Here, take this flyer, come to this event later today, and then you'll see. But it's kind of one of those things where Akane has sort of, in a way, run into her exact same personality type, and so it's not working against her. <laughs> and Machika says, look, 
a flyer is not what I need from you right now. You need to fill out your survey like I told you to do and turn it in. Here are pamphlets for schools that match the requirements I mentioned. Look through them, and I want you to turn your survey by tomorrow. And Akaya's like, but all I'm going to write is Rakugoka. And she says, okay, then I will stay here after class to offer you guidance until you are able to select a preferred school. Turn in your survey. <laughs> so, God damn it. So Akane's uh, ability to use enthusiasm and determination are not working against this woman. So she's like, what am I going to do? Uh, and she's like, oh, they, this is why they call her the Ice Queen. Uh, but she brings the point of like, well, but if I'm stuck, you know, spending time with her after school all the time, I'm not going to have time for my Rakugo lessons. So should I just write whatever on the form and turn it in? And I don't really feel like that's the right thing to do, though. And she runs into I had. No expectation that this was going to come up again. Hey, you remember in Zootopia where Judy runs into her bully before and they and they make amends? And it's like, wait, why is he here? Oh, this is an interesting detail to include when I'm into it. Hey, the same thing happens here. She runs into Jumbo, who is the shitty kid that was making fun of her when she was in elementary school in the first chapter and she used Rakugo to show up. And he's grown up and lost his baby fat. And he is uh, what I forget which sports club that he's in judo. So uh, and apparently they just like get along really well now. Yeah. So uh, he says that he's going in because he's next in for guidance counseling. And he's like, hey, you've got parents from your permission for you've got permission from your parents and your master to do Rakugo. Right. So it really shouldn't matter what she says to you. Uh. But and the guy is like, man, I can't believe you're the same little boy who would fake cry to get me in trouble and stuff. And he's really embarrassed about it, which makes sense. That is a pretty shitty thing that he did. And I would be embarrassed about it, too. Um, but, uh, you know, she kind of like, you know, teased him for a little bit. But then she sa- says, thanks. You're worried I was feeling down, right? I'll be fine. I don't like feeling like I've lost an argument. I'm going to make her recognize that Rocky is the career for me. Iwa sensei is what she calls her. That's a much easier thing to say. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Jumbo goes in to talk with the Iwa sensei and, uh, he says she, she's still, however, worried about Akane. And she says, Hey, did Miss Ozaki seem upset to you? And Jumbo says, Oh, she'll be fine. Um, but Iwa sensei is like, I feel like maybe I was a bit too hard on her and I should apologize for that. And Jumbo asks, Hey, are you against her becoming a Rakugoka? To which she starts tries to say it's none of your business, but then she says, "Look, I think that Akai's got some measure of social intelligence, but I always feel like she's losing focus during class. I hear her muttering weird things to herself or smiling at nothing in particular, and I'm kind of worried about her." Which Jumbo's like, "Oh man, that airhead, you know." But I'm pretty sure that the idea here is that Akane is just thinking about slash practicing Rakugo in these moments. So uh, we get our chapter title when Iwa Sensei says, sometimes students can be myopic, making decisions about their future based on some fleeting feelings. And I suspect she's one of them, which is why I'm being a bit more forceful, trying to guide her in the right direction. But Jumbo thinks back to a conversation he had with Akane 
where he asked, hey, if you're going to be a Rakugoka, are you sure about that after what happened with your dad? But Akai just said, I've made up my mind. And that's it. So Jumbo says, hey, did it kind of give you a flyer? And she's like, well, I didn't get it from her. She shoved it into my hand. So Jumbo says, would you like to go see that event with me? And <laughs> in a moment, I, some for some reason, deeply appreciate, Iwa Sensei says, no, if I attended an out-of-school event with a male student, it would damage my reputation. <laughs> like, like, absolutely not. It's like very, very observant here. And so I was like, okay, that's not what I'm trying to say. We can go separately. I just want you to go and see it. I think you should watch some Rakugo before you decide if she's being myopic or not. Uh, and um, see, I, I want other mangaka to take note of this scene. Because you could have easily had Jumbo trying to pick her up mm -hmm. and made it weird and creepy. But instead, he is just legitimately a good guy. And there was no weird, creepy ulterior motive. Unless next chapter he reveals, like, no, I wanted a date with the guidance counselor. But, like, you know, you don't have to do the dumb joke. You can just let it go. I mean, there is a joke there. Yeah. It is like yeah. her making observation that's not there and him having to be like, no, it's not what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. you know, the personality clashes for the result in humor. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and Jumbo says, because Iwa, Iwa Sensei recognizes, you're kind of arguing a lot on her behalf. But Jumbo says, look, I've known her since elementary school, and I feel like I understand the weight of Akane's decision a bit more than others do. If you want to know what I mean, you should go and watch the Rakugo. Unless you want to judge her future without seeing what she's so passionate about. But that would be myopic, wouldn't it? So Iwa Sensei goes to see some Rakugo. Uh, she goes to the event that what the flyer was for. She establishes that she was kind she thought it was kind of fishy because it the building didn't seem great, but once they got in there, it's like, oh, there's a nice crowd. It's actually nicer inside than I was expecting. Um and then she spots where uh, Jumbo is sitting because uh, a woman approaches them and says, oh, you're Akane's friend. Well, enjoy the show, which I like. I love this detail because like, oh, Jumbo's been coming to a, a few of Akane's things. What a good friend. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, so they're all set. And uh, Akane is like, OK, so the owner of this place already knows Akane. I believe this is the place that she had her debut at, but I'm yes, not sure. This is so. this is the place where she met the other dude and uh, left thinking that no one wrote a note for. Her. And then the old lady was like, oh, but here they are. Yeah, right. Uh, and we see that the event is for two of the Arakawa disciples, uh, Kyoji and Ken Bishi, who is uh, one that we haven't really been introduced to yet. Uh, but neither of them is who comes to the current first. It's Akane, who is getting to open up for them again. And of course, Iwa Sensei is shocked. And she's like, wait, man, her name's not on the flyer. What's going on here? Isn't this a professional event? And she's performing in front of all these adults. And yet she looks so relaxed. She's a completely different person than the girl that I see at school. And the chapter closes with Akane making her opening remark to start her story. This is a really nice chapter. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. This is not like a chapter that like blows my mind or anything like that. 
but it was good. It was solid, you know, fun times. I really like the uh, character interactions in this, and I like seeing a bit more of the world outside of Rakugo, you know, in, in terms of how it's, uh, it perceives Rakugo. And not just like Rakugo fans talking about Rakugo, but like total outsiders talking about it. Yeah. It's nice. All right. Blue Box. Chapter number 50. Unfair Woman. Uh, we see that uh, Class 1B is preparing for the Snow White play, uh, in particular uh, <clears throat> uh, with Hina, you know, trying to recite her lines as Snow White. Uh, and uh, she gets to a point where she's going through where she kind of stumbles over her lines and she's really apologetic for it. But everyone's like, oh, no, you've done a really good job memorizing it in the time that we've been at at this. So good, you know, you're doing great so far. Uh Taiki observes like she's doing better than I expected and stuff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's got a real gift for performing in front of an audience. Makes sense. She does rhythmic gymnastics, which is a performance in front of an yes. audience. So she's comfortable. Yeah. So uh, the glasses guy's name is Kyo. There it is. It's right there. Kyo, Kyo, Kyo. Hey, Kyo. How you doing, Kyo? Good old uh, Kyo. Kyo, Kyo. <laughs> How are you doing, Kyo? It's been a long time, Kyo. How you doing, Kyo? Kyo. Kyo's your name, Kyo. <laughs> kyo, 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 Kyo. All right. I'll forget this next week. So <laughs> <laughs> the character shows up later in the chapter like, so Glass's <laughs> friend comes up and says, hello, everybody. My name's Kyo. All right, Kyo. 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 Right, Kyo. No, wait. Kyo, Kyo can't be his name. Kyo's the name of Akane's teacher. <laughs> <laughs> there can't be two of them. You can't be, there can't be two Kyo's. So. Uh... Taiki observes, hey, you've got some promising looking costumes that you're making there, Kyo. To which he says, people often grow when forced into a situation that they can't escape. He, he says, means that he has to make costumes for his little siblings. <laughs> he says it, yeah, and then brings it up. And I was like, it's interesting because it's it's sort of the idea of like you flourish when there's no other choice but to do it. But he also then has an actual explanation. It's like, yeah, I make outfits for my siblings for school and stuff like that. But I was like, is that what you're referring to with the dramatic <laughs> the situation? <statement?"> right. <laughs> I was like, I just assumed you meant right now to a certain extent. Like, yeah, I make these because I have to. And then I already make oh, it's just amusing the way that line came across. Kyo would be much more entertaining if he had a. Uh... If 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 he had a sword collection is all I'm saying. Like he just <laughs> just made stupid statements like this all the time instead of just being a guy who's there <laughs> and makes and makes not so cutting remarks about Taiki a lot. Yeah. Uh, Taiki is you know just is observing the class as they're putting stuff together. He's like, oh, this is really nice to see everyone working together and doing their part and stuff. He's got to go because there is a safety check meeting coming up. So he's going to go and do it. And as he leaves, people are like, Inamata surprisingly reliable. And while people are talking about the guy she likes, Hida smiles. So, so. Uh, Taiki goes into the school store, which is a thing that... They must have in Japan because they care about their schools more than, 
Uh, but he runs into Chinatsu while they're there and they say good morning to each other. And they're like, oh, I mean, but we already said that earlier today and it's past noon, but we're still saying good morning. It's like, oh, these two dopes. Yeah, look at them. Yeah. Uh, Taiki asks, like, what they're, which her class is doing for the festival because like, are you doing like a cafe? And she says, yeah, we're making like waitress uniforms and everything. And Taiki imagines Chinatsu in a tasteful Yes. waitress uniform i'll give him credit his fantasy is incredibly restrained for what it could be so uh and he uh, but then he's like i mean i really want to see her in that outfit but i don't like her the idea of her serving other people which is a little bit of a gross thought but then Jetson says yeah i'm the class rep so i won't be doing any serving and then taiki's like oh but now i won't get to see her in the outfit Oh, well, I guess you'll just have to learn to live with that, though, Taiki. Anyway. Uh, She asks him how their Snow White production is going. Taiki says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be overseeing stuff, so I'm not going to appear in it. And Shinatsu says, oh, I thought you were going to play the prince. And Taiki's like, what? No. (laughs) Which is, yeah. (laughs) He then says, one of the tall girls in class is going to play the prince, which... Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Sounds good. Yep. So, uh, Hina and some of the girls from their class also come into the school store and she's like, hey, the teachers are looking for you. And then she spots Chinatsu and they're both just kind of like, hi. And then anyway, they break off to do separate conversations and stuff. Chinatsu bids farewell so that they can talk about stuff. While she leaves, she kind of just observes Taiki interacting with Hina. And just kind of like looks over her shoulder at them a bit. Uh, we cut to later that evening. Uh, Chinatsu, of course, is currently living with her mother. Uh, and I don't know if this scene is relatable to anyone. But because of all the details that go into it, I didn't really relate to it that's all i'm just gonna say okay. so so chinatsu is huddled on the couch when her mother comes out of the shower is like hey the shower's free but then she says sees that chinatsu is engrossed in a drama that she's watching and the drama is about two girls arguing and one of them is saying koyuki you knew that i have feelings for kumai and koyuki says oh yeah but it was just a business trip we went to. Well, I bet you even shared a Zunda shake and gushed about how delicious it was. It was for work. You know I couldn't help it, Aki. I mean, it was a good shake, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great So detail. delicious. Uh, you should really go there. It's very tasty. Yeah? So, Chinatsu's mom says, Koyuki's being really unfair right now. If she brings up work, Aki can't say anything. I bet she's always leading people on. If she's really not interested in him, then she could just put some distance between them. Of course, people pursue love in different ways. But even though Kuyuki feels at home by Kumai's side, being so noncommittal like that would come off as unfair. Right? Don't you think so? And Shinatsu stares as blankly as she has ever stared before and just goes, yeah. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah, I don't feel bad about this at all. <laughs> she goes into the bath. It is, again, very restrained. She is in there with a rubber ducky. And she's like, it's the rubber ducky. Mom got me as a souvenir. Its face is a little off. <laughs> she pokes the rubber ducky. And she says to herself, 
slash to the rubber ducky. Also, gigantic bathtub. This thing is fucking enormous. This is a small swimming pool. (laughs) She says to the rubber ducky, apparently I'm an unfair person. And then she thinks privately, even though I know that Shono likes Taiki, she asked him to go somewhere with her because she needed some help. And so she just kind of slumps back and sighs and thinks, no doubt Shona wouldn't be happy with me saying that. But back then, they weren't going out yet. Which she says it like that, as in, okay, but do you think they're going out now? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, full page spread of Chiatsu looking conflicted and sad. And then she stares at the rubber ducky and just goes, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But she admits to herself, when I thought about who I wanted to turn to for support. And then we cut over to Taiki, who's just staring at his phone going like, should I text her? What would I say if I texted her? This is an odd and it, but kind of, but it's an interesting chapter, but it's odd at a few points. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a chapter that has like a ton of development one way or the other. Uh, it's not a chapter that has like a particular moment that I would look to and be like, no, that's like a crazy standout moment or anything like that. But it is just a solid moment or a solid chapter still. Like, I like the characters. I like the motions they're going through. It's fine. Yeah, and uh, I do appreciate that Shinatsu is looking at things and being more honest with herself in terms of like, okay, I'm getting closer to this guy who is sexually compatible with me. And when there is a girl who is clearly interested in him and I don't really know how I feel about him, I just know that he's someone that I care about. So, yeah, Yeah. it's nice to see someone just having that kind of conversation without being very melodramatic about it. Like I can see someone actually just kind of having this moment and without it being played up and stuff. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. We've got two chapters of Duran Duran. Oh, really, we only got one. Let's we see. only really got one. So, <laughs> uh, the fight's over. Uh, sore broken. Uh, everyone lived. Uh, yeah. Uchi collapses after the fight days later. Look, there's a newspaper article celebrating how awesome the samurai were for taking out the Mononoke. Uh, and, uh, Toma and Dora are, uh, upset at each other. Question mark. Uh, and all of the samurai are like, Kusanagi, you're so great. Literally none of us samurai who hunt Mononoke for a living and have vowed to exterminate them have any issue with you being here. Wouldn't it be kind of interesting if there were at least one samurai who didn't trust you? But nope, all of us like you. You're so cute. Anyway, uh, and they're even upset at Dora for uh, hogging, quote unquote, Kusanagi, who is just like, everyone can be friends. Ah. Two days away from retirement, Samurai is like, oh, I feel upset that we lost. And then Uji goes to the reporter and is like, why is my photo so small on the paper? But the reporter is able to manipulate him by saying like, well, everyone just expects you to do well. And Uji's like, oh, well, OK, then. Uh, then we cut over to Toma, who has a picture of himself and another samurai, and he just shouts up to the heavens, Mine! We got those Mononoke! We got them! So, 
I don't think we've established this character that he's talking about. So, hmm. And we're probably not going to need to. <laughs> probably not going to need to. Honestly, it's probably the most interesting part of the chapter is just this minor character having a backstory. Uh, anyway, Kanbei is talking with some people. Uh, end of chapter. Okay, so... <laughs> Chapter 20! Nautarakamizumi. <laughs> uh, Uji wants to take Dora and Kusanagi out on patrol. Oh, it's the next day. Dora rushes to go on patrol. Hey, it's a person who's got wild hair. Nautarakamizumi. And, uh, they're like, oh, are you the samurai we're patrolling with? Yeah, okay. I'm Dora. I'm Kusanagi. You're wearing a dress. And and now Tara's like, do they not look good on me? And Dora's like, no, they look good. Do they really? <sighs> Scintillating. So <laughs> they're going on patrol. And now Tara's like, there's a force field because of the Sakimori Towers. And Dora's like, I didn't know the towers did that. Yeah, okay. So... And and then Kusanagi's like, but I'm in the city. How can I be here and stuff? And Naltra's like, sometimes when I'm okay with weak supernatural energy, you can get in. And Kusanagi feels upset because he just got called weak. And Dora's like, but Kusanagi's strong. And uh, Naltra's hiding behind a post now. Anyway, uh, it's because Naltra's like, I feel like we're being around you. So I'll just, you know, be far from you anyways. Uh, um... Um, then it starts raining and Naltor is like, oh, there goes my special outfit. But Dora throws his jacket at Naltor because. I don't know. I guess it's important that you not get wet. Yeah, he doesn't want her clothes to get wet. He's trying to be a nice guy. Yeah. So, but Naltor is like, but do you like these clothes? Do you want to keep them dry? They take cover. And Dora's like, why did you request us if you hate so much that you don't want to get near us or let us see you? And Dora's like, I don't hate you. And Kusanagi's like, Dora, that's not it. Dora never watches dramas, but I do. Now Tora has a crush on Dora. That's an interesting character trait. And I hate it. I hate that Kusanagi has apparently watched enough crappy melodramas that they can pick up on human infatuation. How has he been watching them if literally Dora and he spend like every waking moment together? How can he watch them but Dora not? Hey, Dora just falls asleep. Dora does Kusanagi never sleeps. He will never sleep. <laughs> Uh, we also get a flashback from Natora's perspective, uh, and she admits that I screwed up on a mission, and so I was in despair for a long time. I couldn't go on missions, but then I saw you two. Oh, and like even... she's been eating a lot of burritos. <laughs> really yeah, this character so much. Well, she's bundled up like a burrito in this Aww. one. So, yeah. uh, even when people criticized you, look, look, doubters, very briefly, there they are. They're, look, they <laughs> exist. Look, conflict. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, wait, we're past it now. Never mind. He, Dora oh, was just everyone, like, everyone knows these guys fine, now. It's fine. It's fine. Nothing bad happened. Everyone's friends. It's okay. And now Tora says, before I knew it, I was spending all my time watching you. I didn't even want to waste time sleeping. That's not any healthier than what you were doing before. <laughs> uh. And then after the news article came out, 
And now Tora says, I was so excited I made you a Dorayaki. And I just can't just keep hiding away. I have to be proactive like you, Dora. I figured I could muster the courage to go back to work if I was with you. So that's why I requested you. But now that I'm here, I'm shy and nervous and can't handle it. And Dora's like, quit being so shy and nervous. We have a job to do. (sighs) (laughs) So now Tora apologizes and says, okay, I won't lose sight. That's why I screwed up my last assignment. And Dora says, then don't sneak around. Come practice and eat with us and stuff. Let's hang out anytime. Uh, but then now Tora senses Mononoke energy coming from the lake, uh, and which Kusanagi also alerts Dora to. So they have to get out into the rain and stuff. Oh, man, there's a couple that's out in a swan pedal boat and a tentacle reaches out from the depths and it's a <coughs> octopus Mononoke thing. And so Dora's like, oh, it's in the middle of the lake. But now Tora rushes out and her eyes go kind of crazy as she dr- rushes in and says, I've got to get that Mononoke. And she does a ninja dash across the water and she goes, bam, all slashing. And oh, man, the octopus thing explodes and blah. Um, and it's dead. And uh, then she pokes her head around the roof to check on the people that were attacked. It's like, are you okay? And they're like, oh, she's creepy. But then she's like, oh, I did it again. When I see a Mononoke, I just lose sight of everything else. Okay. And Dora says, I had no idea you were this strong. Well, no, you just met. Uh, and they compliment uh, now Tora as we get a full introduction to now Tora Kamizumi samurai officer alias berserker with a Z so it's really hardcore yeah now Nick I know I just loudly yawned I don't want that to be indicative of the quality of this chapter which has riveted us riveted riveted yes riveted us from page one all the way to However many pages this was. Because you know, like, when you're reading a good book, you just can't put it down. You don't count the pages. That's what I felt like mm-hmm. reading this. I was like, uh-huh. I'm all about this. Uh, I love Naotora Kamazumi. She's a great character. Like, you know, with, um... Her... Hair. Yes. That's... You know, that's kind of crazy. Like, he's Yu-Gi-Oh hair. That's crazy. Uh, you know what I'm actually, like, the big takeaway I have from this chapter? What? I'm very impressed. Not a single member of our audience voted her to be MVP of this week. Because I assumed there was going to be one fucking waifu nerd who was just going to be like, <laughs> I like her. She's an awkward nerd girl. I'm going to give her chick character of the week, even though she sucks. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. So there you go. Doron Doreron. Great yes. series. Quinn, I've got a uh, I've got a puzzle for you. Let's do it. All right. What is the uh, or what is the segment title? Sorry. I don't have it. Oh, podcasters <laughs> postulate something, 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 something. OK. All right. Here we go. Pink pants perpetrator. Posits persistent preeminence. Podcasters postulate poetically phrased professional pretenders. I'm sorry, say it again. Yeah. Pink pants perpetrator posits persistent preeminence. Persistence. Who, who are pink pants? Ziggler? Is it Ziggler? We've done, we've done Ziggler. <laughs> Fuck. Um... Uh, 
Who else wore pink pants? Oh, come on. Uh, Shawn Michaels didn't wear pink pants. He might have at some point, but it's not him. Yeah. You're Bret in the Hart? right ball. Bret Hart. Yes. Bret Hart. Okay, yeah. It took me a Persistent preeminence, because he's the best there is. Best there ever was. Yeah. Best there ever was. There you go. The executioner of excellence. Good job, me. You know what? I'm not even sad about my brother anymore. Oh. <laughs> this win took me right back all the way up. Yeah, when I think about Bret Hart, what a great life he's had with his family. That's one of the things I keep thinking about is all the people that outlived my brother, and it blows my mind. I'm just sitting, like, I just, I saw Willie Nelson the other day. I was like, how the fuck did fucking Willie Nelson outlive my brother? God. This is absurd. <laughs> I'm sorry, I assume you're disappointed from sadness. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we didn't talk about PPP, PPP last week. Uh, so, I guess to hit the main beat of that chapter, uh, Sora actually uh, showed up uh, ahead of time. We find out in this chapter, Lucky was shocked to see him. And so I was like, hey, where'd that girl go? And Lucky's like, oh, well, yeah, she she went looking for Bimin, as we saw previously. And he's like, Wait, why are you here? And Sora says, because he is Sora Chika of the Yodogami siblings, this is a world that's existed since long ago. <laughs> like, that's not an answer. <laughs> uh, to which he means the world of classical music, maybe in the beginning Artists drew audiences in and created this world. But over the years, those first audiences passed down their experiences to future audiences. Now, the audience gives birth to artists. That doesn't work with Mimin. Uh, to which Lucky doesn't get it. And so she, he's like, well, then would it be better if she just left? Maybe if rather than being told what to do in someone else's world, it would be better if she were in her own world. And have requests made of her there. Um, but, uh, you know, he was left to think about that. And Sora, you know, warns like walking that path requires strength and she might exhaust herself and die. But Lucky counters this by saying, she won't die. If she's in trouble, I'll help her. I've realized lately that there's a lot more I can do. I'm not strong enough yet. And I get a lot of help from people. But that's how we grow to be adults. I can help her. I won't hold anything back from my beloved siblings. Aw, isn't Lucky a great, great, great little kid? Yeah. So, today's chapter is chapter 30, Happiness for a Weeping Princess. And uh, right at the moment where Min, Mimin had been saying, oh, I think I hate the piano, Furusu approached her. And now Mimin says, what do you want, boing, boing? <laughs> Because in her darkest moment, she can't help but refer to Furusu as boing boing. I, I like the idea. And she's so, like, legitimately sad right now. Like, before it was annoying, but, like, now you're just like, oh, she really is just, like, a fucking three-year-old. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, boing boing, what are we doing? Furusu is literally leading her by the hand, and she's like, my God, you're just a little kid. And Mewen's like, what do you mean, a little kid? <laughs> And Furusu just says, like, you're really honest and straightforward. You adore what appeals to you. You confront and beat down what you don't like. That's just who you are. It's annoying, but so cute that others can't stop helping you. 
and I'm jealous of your genius. You possess this incredible power that makes it possible. I don't know why you put limitations on your freedom. But besides that, your princess-like quality is your strongest power to protect the things you love. To which Mimin is like, huh? (laughs) They've been having all these analytical conversations to which Mimin has no idea about anything that's led up to first reaching this conclusion. So I get those. Wait, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Um. But Furusu, while continuing to lead Mimin on, thinks to herself, I didn't know until just now, after seeing her in front of me, I found a way for Mimin Otogami to not hate the piano. And she texts this to Lucky, which is, she's not scary, she's really cute. And for her to be at her best, there's another world more suited for her rather than the classical music world. That's what I think. Anyway, do your best. So, uh, Lucky uh, is called in for his performance, but first, Dada Sensei just says, you know, knock him dead, basically. Uh, so, Lucky goes out. The crowd is, you know, murmuring about his relationship to Gakuan Otogami. And as he takes the stage, he thinks to himself, I think the type of freedom that hurt Furusu is wrong, but there's nothing wrong with the freedom that comes from playing the piano joyfully. And he thinks, directing at Mimin, I don't want you to hate the piano. I'm going to play today with that wish in mind. The joyful island for Mimin. And as Lucky starts playing, there's an image of an island. And there's a fairy flying just above the surface of the ocean. And Mimin is on a cruise ship. And the fairy approaches her and goes, let's go to that island. And Mimin's like, uh, okay, are we going to take the ship there? No, the ship stopped. Let's go across the ocean together. I can't do that. I'll drown. You'll be fine. Mimin, you'll be fine. And so Mimin takes a step off the guardrail, and she just starts dashing across the water after the ferry. And she's really, really happy about this while (laughs) darkly... (laughs) Everyone else who experienced this vision and tried to follow the fairy feels like they're drowning, so, <laughs> which is quite the detail. <laughs> I do like it that he is he's playing it for her and everyone else is like suffocated by how much emotion is in this song. But it's for her. So it's it's not really about that. Yeah. And. Sorachika realizes that the message that that Lucky is conveying of Mimin, you'll be fine is so strong that, yeah, no one else can experience the performance properly. But Sorachika just goes, how fun, because he's eccentric. <laughs> so, um, and Mimin is like, oh, I get it. I can jump out of this world. I won't try to fly. But I'll do anything to be free. It's so easy to leave my current world. And then she thinks to herself as the chapter closes, Hey, Melolin, I just realized something. So, hey, Mimian's had her big breakthrough. Mission accomplished for Lucky, it looks like. So, Yeah, I mean, this is this was really, really, like, we didn't specifically talk about it, but like, when she shows up on the island and takes that first step off the boat, like 
that two page spread is incredible. Like I love the work, like the line work, just how distinct it is, like the sharp waves and the the flowing dress that's like, you know, kind of like accented by all these leaves. You know, it's just like a phenomenal view. And it's it's just I don't know. It's one of those things that reminds me like, God damn, this series is really good. I wonder how deliberate it is that the uh, surface of the ocean actually looks a lot like her dress in this shot Mm -hmm. with the uh, lines and the angles and everything. Yeah, it's it's definitely a very interesting thing. I I liked a lot. Very good chapter. Mm. All right, Nick, let's talk about martial magic and muscles, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Chapter 103, 105, rather. Threes look like five when they're looking far away. I need new glasses. Mash burned dead (laughs) and the armor of challenge. So Mash is staying in front of an Iron Maiden, and Meliadula, I think is her name, says, step inside. And Mash says, I don't think I really want to. And she's like, no, there's healing magic inside. It'll take away your pain and fatigue. He's like, I don't want to. She's like, get in. I get to get your butt in there, you blooming fool. (laughs) Yeah, blooming fool. Yeah. And she goes to, like, strike him, and I think she actually does... But he just like no cells. He's like, all right, I'll get in. And she says, it's safe. I promise it'll relieve you of all the exhaustion from training. And you're like, the door's closed. And she's like, but it is very painful. <laughs> so uh, the little monster stupid thing that whose name I can't remember from last time. It says uh, Meliodula's magic works on a cellular level. You need healing, a physical boost. Her strength and magic is the best in the world at drawing out your full power. And now that the boss is taking you under her wing, you'll be forming in your top. Uh, level at no time. You got all that, or you had too much pain to listen? And Mash punches him in the face. It's, <laughs> it's very satisfying. It's the greatest thing in the world. There's just a punch sound effect, and he punches the dude in the face from inside the the Iron Maiden. Uh, next, Mash shows up in a Dark Souls level, uh, and <laughs> Meliodula just says, "This is your second trial." And dude shoots a bunch of arrows at Mash, and he blocks them. He's like, "This isn't a trial," but then he gets stabbed, and he's like, "What?" invisible arrows and she basically explains that she input his cellular data into this armored knight so she, it is designed to be just above his level so you have to grow to beat this and this is just level one <clears throat> there are 99 others to keep you busy all the way through level 10 so that's his new training we cut over lance and dot are have apparently been arranged to have a special mentor uh Wahlberg explains and they open the door and it's mad order or whatever his first name was i can't remember order order maddle i think or, order maddle who is just throwing darts at a picture of mash over and over again um then we cut over to finn who's just screaming because he's really panicking about the world coming to an end and he says you know what i've got to do something to make myself useful to mash after he sees a picture of all of his friends together He's like, I'm going to do it. So he goes up to the headmaster's office and he just stands there and he's like, I can't bring myself to do it. And then someone says, what are you doing here? And who should it be? But the third most popular character in the series, maybe second. I don't remember. uh, Galdo Kehenna, who says your reigns, brother, correct? And that's where we kind of end that scene. We move back to Rio Grande. Lemon doesn't have to get stronger, though. Lemon doesn't have time. Who cares? Uh, Girl. Um, So we cut over to Rio Grande. He's like, you know, we directors are evenly matched with Innocent Zero's forces. 
So we'll need to the the power of promising people like yourself. We're counting on you, Mash Burn did. I don't know why we cut back to that. I guess just to bookend that particular moment. But we cut over then to Mash's third brother, whose name I've forgotten, uh, who is just chowing down on pudding as Cell War watches. And the brother basically says, a father's magic has turned him into an army of evil as we watch an army of giants just start marching by. And he says, it's quite the view. Halflings, giants, Majin, humanity's worst criminals are all at our command. Our opponents will be under the impression that we are evenly matched. But this army alone is enough to destroy him. And we just see Innocent Zero standing there saying, soon my long-held wish will come true. Yep. It's a, it's a training arc chapter. I do like that in the description, halflings are included in this fearsome army. I was like, like hobbits? I don't think those things are supposed to be scary. <laughs> don't they just like eat fucking pot roast and smoke pipes all day? <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue this point. Yeah, so. <laughs> also, there's a Cerberus there. Like, <laughs> They're like, oh, get rid of the Cerberus, add more halflings. <laughs> Sir, they're too busy frolicking. Let them frolic. That's when they're at the most terrifying. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try and tear through this first Eleusis Samurai chapter. It's uh, honestly, there's a bit about uh, the emperor reacting to the assassination attempt that happened in Kyo. Uh, we see that, uh, you know, news is spreading amongst the, the forces that are opposed to Tokiyuki. Uh, he apologizes to Yorishige for courting danger, but, you know, he brings to the point of like, hey, we've got to be on the move. Uh, so we're going to try and make our way to Kamakura. We've got two route routes uh, scouted out, but it's going to be up to you to decide which route we take. There is the shorter, dangerous one, but there's all uh, uh, that is faster. There is also but there's also the northern one and it's you know level terrain, but it also takes us through uh, some str- enemy strongholds. So where should we go? And Tokyuki says that they should take the longer route because that way they will potentially be able to draw more support towards them. Ashikaga had sent his son uh, throughout a long route and had gathered forces because they were drawn to him. And he, Tokyuki says, if an Ashikaga child can do that, a Hojo child can as well. So that's my plan. Uh, so everyone is really impressed with this. And Yorishige thinks he has matured through his experience in Kyo. Kyo! Kyo! Ah, they were in Kyo. Kyo. Man, about that. Kyo! Uh, but in order to do that, they also have to deal with Sadamune and specifically Shokan, who is Sadamune's wild card. It's going to be specifically up to Tokyuki to deal with Shokan. All right. Uh, then we move on from there into chapter 60, Rogues 1335. And uh, we are uh, introduced to Miura Hachiro, who's got main character hair. Uh, and... Um, Yep. So there's uh he's like, we're going to avenge our fallen Lord for which Tokyuki is super, super thankful. Uh, and then uh, Miura is like, hey, so which of the generals are we going to be fighting for? Is it Uno, Nezu, Mo- Mochizuki, don't know. And Tokyuki is like, uh, I'm your commander. And we get this. Rather horrifying um, set of reaction shots from their army. 
their faces look too real to be making those expressions. It's gross. Yeah. Um, also, Tokiyuki still can't reveal to everyone that he is a Hojo, and uh, but they're like, there'll be an appropriate time in order to do it. And you've got to defeat Shokan in order to win the Kamakura party's loyalty. So Tokiyuki is like, all right, I've got to you know, be able to carry this burden. We see him practicing with Fubuki's instruction in combat. Uh, and Fubuki notes, yeah, you can't use the Demon Heart Buddha Blade on Shokan twice. Shokan is cautious and heavily armored. Uh, even the best swordsmen are likely to are unlikely to beat him. But I have a new technique for piercing his throat. Two fanged bear blade, which I wonder how much of Fubuki's time thinking up blessings for Tokyuki is just think is just spent thinking up cool sounding names because that is a thing that you know preteens would do. I feel like. Uh, so, but they also bring the point of like, hey, we can handle the Shokan individually, but there's also the army, and Shizuku knows Shinano, so we're going to use her plan to defeat the invasion. And Shizuku says, we need 300 warriors to remove the threat of the 100 warriors from the Kamakura party. Uh, uh, we need 300 warriors, and we've only got 100, so that's not going to work. Uh, and so, Tokyuki thinks to himself, what would Kusunoki do in this situation? So he consults the scroll that Kusunoki gave him. And he's like, I don't really, I can't, I can't read this. And he, so he struggles through it all night and he thinks, okay, I, it must be something that it can only come from lived experience. In other words, whoever I meet, whatever I see, whatever I sense, I don't forget a single thing. Seemingly inconsequential memories from seemingly inconsequential moments may prove useful against an enemy. And so Tokyo thinks about that. He thinks about the last two years that he's had. And he realizes, as we get just a brief collage of a lot of gross moments that have come throughout the series, all of my memories are of weirdos. And nice-faced uh, samurai who said that he would his, his head would eat through the guts of anyone if it got chopped off. It's there. But uh, he th- keeps on thinking. He's like, okay, I got to try to remember something useful. And then he remembers Yorishige's grandson. And he's like, well, would that be too reckless? No, everyone in Shinano does it. Shizuku's plan will only need a little tweaking. I have found reinforcements. Now I can defeat Shokan. And there is a gust, I believe, of uh, that blows out the candle that he has with him. And he thinks to himself, father, brother, please watch over my first campaign. It's a cool shot of him uh, as he does this, too. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, Shokan's army uh, fighting. Just kind of biting each other in the face. Yep, yep. And they're like, oh, let's go rob people. Let's go rape people. Yeah. Uh, and Shokan, um, I can't believe this guy's not dead from the position of the sword that he digs into his into his neck. Uh, he's like, yeah, we're not bandits anymore. From now on, you'll die as warriors. You can go rob someone, but you'll do it without your head. Well, that doesn't that- really work, then. I, I would just be dead. <laughs> What's no real point doing that? So they go back to training instead, while Shokan sits down by himself, and he is approached by uh, a child who brings him some pickle gourd to eat. And uh, she sits down next to him, and she says, Oh, you work hard for the people. Are you going to war? And Shokan's like, Oh, maybe. And the girl looks at him and says, oh, but why? 
I don't want you to die. And Shokan, um, is haunted by the ghosts of the many children <laughs> he's murdered over his time. One of which is a skeleton, uh, but only one for some reason. <laughs> and uh, he freaks out and nearly pukes in front of her, but he gathers himself and he thinks darkness breeds uncertainty and suffering, but light illuminates the sins of my past. So wherever I go, hell comes with me. He composes himself and says, listen, girl, Buddha purified my heart. My Lord saved my life in order to repay my Lord. I must kill Buddha. And the girl's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> because in his mind, Tokiyuki is the Buddha. Yeah. So that's what he's actually saying. But the girl's like, but you're kind and smart. So it must be right what you're saying. So just come back alive, okay? Promise me. And Shokan says, of course. After all, I'm so tough, it's scary. I appreciate this, like, darkly human side to Shokan. Yeah. You know, it's like, we know he's a monster. Yes. But it's important to show that monsters can appear to be kind and human to people who don't see that side of them. And it's a really cool moment. And also showing that he is haunted by the things he does. He just kind of seems to almost dwell in it. Mm. It's, uh, it, it brings him almost like an affirmation. To be like, yeah. oh, yes, I must be I must be haunted by the darkness. Like, it's, Yeah, but yeah. I'm a good person now. Yeah. That's how it works. It's good stuff. All right, Nick, let's move on to Black Clover, page 331, and time starts to move. So we have kind of finished the giant Spade Kingdom arc, and we get the resolution now as we are introduced to the current queen of the Spade Kingdom, Her Royal Highness Seal Grin Burial. You know's mother. All right. Did anyone waifu her? Did anyone do it? Did, did, did she did win not, anyone's character? I did not see her show up in the, uh, uh, as an entry. She, someone might have snuck it in, though. But I she's an adult girl you know. Come on. That is true. And what's hotter than that? It's all my favorite words combined together. <laughs> adult. Female. <laughs> you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how she's still alive, but she is. And she's like, I'm so glad to see you. This is great. Basically, the only reason she is here is because the characters are like, we need you to come work with us now. You know, like you are going to lead us. We need a powerful person to lead the Spade Kingdom now. And, you know, says I can't speak for the future. But for right now, there's a vow I have to keep first. And I made that vow to someone in the Clover Kingdom, my good friend and my rival. Kodo over to Asta. He's talking to Sabretooth. He he also refers to Asta as his family, which is very nice. Yes. Uh, Asta is talking to Sabretooth and is basically like, I'm glad I got to see my mom because of you. Sabretooth's like, yeah, it was really cool. You got to see Socket Wrench. That's awesome. Socket Wrench? I don't remember. I think I called her Allen Wrench. I don't, I don't remember anymore. I don't remember where Lachita went to. <laughs> In the pantheon of, of made-up Black Clover character names. So at this point... I almost just feel like if I say it now, it'll make sense. Look, it's Asta's dead mom. How often is she going to show up? <laughs> um, so uh, Sabretooth's just like, thanks for helping me get my revenge. So now I'm going to make your dream come true. 
And we use that to bookend both characters saying, I'm going to become the Wizard King. Uh, but first, I have to get everybody to admit you're a good guy, especially that magic parliament guy with the scales. I hate that guy. And somewhere a monkey, a monkey paw curls one, one finger. Uh, we see, uh, I think his name's like Damatio or Dalmatio, something like that. Um, he walks in to see Dem, Demnatio or Damnatio. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes in to see Julius Novacrono, who's just like, Oh, I'm, I'm relieved that the battle is over, but I, I feel this unease. No, even before all of that. And Novacrono is just like, so I need to speak with you. Ever since that trial, I've been investigating the existence of devils. And the Quillpoth had three devils on it, but there was no Medjicula listed among them. There was Lucifero of gravity magic, known as Satan, Beelzebub of spatial magic, <coughs> excuse me, and Astaroth of time magic. It is likely that Medjicula is Astaroth's successor. And for some reason, Astaroth vanished from the other world and while this may be a coincidence in all of his world's history as far as i can tell there has only been a single time magic user and while this is going on julius is thinking to himself i'm not certain of this but please tell me i'm wrong the devil who has made its lair in this kingdom and julius just says i see that it really is me and Immediately, Julius is like, Damnatio, please, you have to hurry. You get, you can't. And it, it stops. Julius has summoned the book, has transformed and touches uh, Damnatio in the forehead. And we get a little note that says, Final Arc, the ultimate wizard king. As uh, Power Rangers Lost in Space shows up and says, <laughs> hey there. It basically went, That's not even the name of the series. <laughs> But it's what I said, so we're just sticking with it. Um, also, Lost in Space is a combination of two different Power Ranger seasons. Right, Lost Galaxy and In Space, yes. <laughs> Power Rangers Lost in Time Force Speed Rescue. I like the idea that it was a crossover with Lost in Space. Which I don't know what it adds except another another wacky robot that screams a lot. <laughs> They're like, I wish Alpha was here instead of this one that just says, Warning, Swiss Family Robinson. Warning. Aye, 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 Will Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> um, Power Rangers Lost in Space shows up and says, uh, It basically went the way you said it would. Lucis Zogratis. And we see... Whoever has taken over or whoever has taken over Julius's body just says, yes, the time has come. Presumably this is Lucius Zogratis, but also presumably it is Astaroth. So I believe that I thought that Astaroth was the small devil's name. No, that's Astra something in Nuka. Because it's the the whole point is that whoever the devil is that was in Julius had to have time magic. Because that's the right. reason why um, Julius presumably had time magic. Right. I mean, it's it's honestly it's a pretty good reveal. Yeah. Like I there was stuff setting it up, oh, and I do appreciate wait. that Lucius was the um, he's the last brother of the the spade because it's a spade clover kingdom book. So right. Julius, fuck, what does this mean? So Julius has always secretly <laughs> been Lucius Zogratis. 
and Astro whatever Astro Adramalek. Yeah. No, well, no. Uh, uh, Astaroth. Astaroth is, is the, the devil. devil. Yeah. Who is associated with Lucius Ogratus, presumably. Yes. And the and Lost in Space is Adramalek. Yes. Okay. And, so. Okay, but where is Julius Novocrono? Was that ever a real person? Well, like, he has it, transformed. It, so, but, but is it like is it like Patry and and leashed where they're and William? I, don't know. I, I like I don't because we've known Julius Novocrono's from the beginning, but okay. Well, he met Yami years ago, too. Yeah. So. Okay. I don't know. So we don't, I don't know. know the, how okay. I, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing a detail, but that seems to be what it is. Oh, you can't rely on me to answer that <laughs> <Okay>. then. Like, <laughs> um, but I, hell, when this happened, I was trying to figure out if he like transferred into Damnasio too, because he I, happens to poke Damnasio in the forehead. Yeah. And then Lucius looks just like Damnasio exactly. and has a mark on the forehead in the same place Demnasio was poked. <laughs> I, I literally, if you go back, you hear me saying that is what happened. I'm like, yeah, and then it looks like uh, this dude has transferred himself into it. And I'm like, nope, that's Demnasio, presumably dead on the floor. So that is not what happened. This is what happens when you have all of your boring looking black haired people look the same. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is very underwhelming for like final antagonist character design. Like, I feel like this dude needs a little extra something to make this character look more visually distinct. Besides, I, he has a sun yeah. tattoo. Uh, he's just evil looking Julius, which is not great. Like, kid Julius had a more interesting design. <laughs> um, but we also still haven't seen Astaroth yet. So there's hope for that, you know that guy looking more interesting it is honestly i think a pretty good like you know we kept on thinking it's like all right when's this last sibling gonna show up it's like oh it's just been julius the whole time yeah. it's like, that's a reveal okay yeah, sure and of course julius has been built up as an incredibly powerful wizard and now we're dealing with the matter of like why is this, this matter julius is stronger than everything even when he's quote-unquote been depowered and i was like oh well now he's evil oh well I guess they're fucked then. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is pretty, this is pretty good. Uh, it's a confusing reveal uh, because of the way that the transformation and attack are framed. Uh, but I do like getting to look at the cover of the book because the infinity pages close finally. Yeah, that anyway. is a very awesome visual. Yeah. And uh, as is indicated on we, on the last page here, and we knew that this was coming, Black Clover is going to be going on a break. Yes. And uh, so hopefully Tabata will be able to get some recovery in and get in good health while prepping for what is, according to this, <laughs> going to be the actual final arc of Black Clover. So we'll see what happens there in presumably a couple of months. So... Yeah. All right. Let's cap things off with One Piece. Let's do it. Da 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 da. Chapter one thousand forty-seven. The sky over the capital. Uh, Yamato is continuing to chant on to Momonosuke. He's like, "Make clouds, prevent island from falling. Do it." 
uh, and we get a flashback from Momonosuke uh, when um, he was entrusted with the kingdom's future by his mother, who said, you've got to rebuild the strength of the Kozuki clan. And he was saying what he's saying now, which is, I can't do it, though. And uh, he, you know, was trying to convince Toki to take Yuri and come with them and escape together. And Kinemon had to take charge and say, you've got to you've got to do this. This is the hardest of all for your mother. And he says that this is the land of the samurai, a place where shame is as heavy as life itself. If a man argues with a grave decision that a woman summoned all of her courage to make, he does nothing but shame her. And Monosuke is like, but I'm eight. <laughs> Good point. But Kinemon says, you'll forgive me for saying so. But in the wake of Lord Odin's passing, you were not just a child anymore. Will you give us another chance to fight? If our lives are only going to be given over to the flames, then we would prefer to perish for our liege with blades in hand. Will you allow us to die as samurai? And they, he bows before uh, Monosuke along with Raizo and the fucking traitor Kanjiro. <laughs> I don't like that he is the second most prominent samurai in this picture when yeah. we know <laughs> what we know about him. So Momonosuke is convinced to accept this. Uh, and now in the present, he thinks I'm failing my mother. And so he keeps on trying to lift up Onigashima with the flame clouds. Kaido fighting Luffy says, so you grabbed the lightning, eh? Which is, <laughs> yep, that's what happened. Um, and yeah, Luffy throws lightning at Kaido. It misses. And uh, Kaido's like, play all the games you want. But, and he launches an attack at Luffy, who um, pole dances on the lightning bolt uh, from the momentum of it. That is a way to describe it. Uh, Kaido declares abilities alone cannot conquer the world. And as Luffy tries to launch an attack, uh, Kaido just goes over his foot and clubs him into the ground again while Luffy's foot is shooting off in the background, which is a nice detail. Kaido goes on saying the world is convenient that way. Roger didn't have any fruit powers <gasps> because only hockey can transcend all. Until I can't, you know, yeah. look, one piece makes its rules up as it goes along. Sometimes it feels like, but, uh, Luffy gets battered into the ground and it's still rubber. So he bounces right back up to Kaido who just hits him again. <laughs> so it's, a, it turned on him, unfortunately, uh, as Kaido uses destroyer of death, thunder Bagua, which is the most extra attack name. <laughs> But Luffy, even though he's got birds flying around the big lump in his head, reaches out to has a grip on Kaido's chest and it's stretching because Kaido is rubber too. Kaido grabs onto Luffy's arm and starts hitting it with his club and trying to get loose. But then he declares, you're only telling me where to find you because Luffy has now gone up into the thundercloud. He has cover, but he's now attached to Kaido who transforms into a dragon and starts launching attacks at him. And he observes that Luffy is still weak against cutting attacks as they start slashing through Luffy's body. Uh, and then we cut down to the festival and people are releasing their lanterns up into the sky. And they say the festival is coming to an end. We're going to be worked like slaves again tomorrow. 
I hope I get to live another year. Oof. Uh, and as they unleash them, we also see uh, Otoko, who is laughing, and they're all chanting for the lanterns to stay steady and keep floating up into the sky. Uh, Kaido hits Blast Breath. Luffy is uh, smoldering and black because he's a cartoon, and that's what happens when you get hit by fire. I do love that they they do follow it, because earlier in a chapter where he got hit really hard, he had the, the bird spinning around the head. Yes. The logic continues, yes. Uh, we cut inside the Skull Dome. Hyogoro uh, is on the ground, and everyone's like, oh my god, Onigashima is falling, but Hyogoro thinks that this is good, because it means they're pressuring Kaido. And he tells everyone, tell me. Which would you prefer? If the Straw Hat fellow defeats Kaido, we will all fall to our deaths. But if we survive, it means Kaido's won. And everyone says, is that supposed to be a debate? I've got children back in Hakumai. My wife is in Ringo. If we win this battle, I'll rest assured they can lead a good life. How wonderful that would be. We'll have a country we can be proud of again. I want there to be one dude who's like, yeah, so my kid's in the flower capital, so if we fall, we kind of crush them. So I'm not hmm. really super on board with any of these options, to be completely honest. Why don't we just all live? Yeah, can we do that? Can I'm we just, take a vote? I'm just saying I'm really hoping there's another option. So everyone in the, in the Skull Dome starts cheering on Luffy, saying, hey, don't worry about us, just crush Kaido. Uh, some of the Beast Pirates are like, you guys are idiots, we're all going to die. And Hyogoro says... And what's wrong with that? I mean, like, they've been slaves for like 20 years, so. Uh, Usopp, of course, says, no, not me. I'm going to live. <laughs> As he does. But the water that uh, Jimbe uh, unleashed, sorry, Rizo unleashed, and Jimbe did all the cool stuff with, uh, <laughs> uh, a wave of it uh, sweeps him and Hamlet away. Then... <sighs> Okay, so Orochi is not dead yet. This is the worst part of this chapter. Yeah, like, yeah. This is a fine chapter, but it's it's truly, and I get why. I guess just to sum it up, Orochi had the nail get dislodged, and now Orochi's like, I can burn you to death with me, Hiori. And the whole reason this is there is so that Denjiro presumably can show up next chapter and cut Orochi down. And finally kill him, and Denjiro can have a big hero moment. But it's so dumb and so pointless. Like, it's not suspenseful. It's not interesting. It's nothing. It's just a nothing scene that feels like it's there to hit something on a checklist. Yeah. And and Hiori it doesn't even say anything in response to this. She's just going, ah. Because yeah. she is, oh, she's in danger. Ooh. We cut outside again. Uh, Luffy calls out to Momo, who looks up into the sky, and when he sees what's up there, both he and Yamato are like, what the hell? As Luffy's giant crackling with lightning fist comes out through the clouds. And Luffy says, I'm going to put an end to all of this, but Onigashima's in the way. So move it. I do it, Momo. I believe in you. I I do 
find myself actually pretty uh i love kaido's face because it looks like he's like oh this seems like it's gonna be bad (laughs) he's like oh this seems like this might be an issue oh that is a big fist (laughs) and i do love the way that this looks like it it it's gonna you know i I, that seems like it's gonna be a very cool visual like luffy punches kaido all the way into wano itself by moving onigashima away uh, at the same time, the fire lanterns are going to go into the sky. Like, it just seems like it's going to be a very cool visual. I would presume this is the end to that fight. There's not a lot left to do. We're going to see Denjiro. If it's not Denjiro, then this scene's even more pointless, but it's already pretty pointless. But I assume it's Denjiro, so he can strike Kaido down, and or uh, Orochi down, and end and that stupid conflict. Um... And after that, I legitimately can't think of a single thing that's left to like accomplish that is not an you know resolving action. So right. next chapter, maybe it'll be the last one. Yeah. Well, we shall see, and that'll be in a in a couple of weeks though that we'll have to wait for that. So, yes. all right, that's the end of week manga recap, guys. Favorite chapters and MVPs. Let's do it. Oh, right. That's me. Sorry. Uh, Favorite chapter of the week is... You go first. I think that it's going to have to be PPPPP for me. I think so as well. There weren't... uh, I mean, there were a lot of good chapters. I think that if we were treating it as logic of spy family was a chapter this week. Then I would go with that, but we were just covering it because we didn't cover it last week. It was a chapter last week. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to work on that logic and say that I think the PPPPPB was the most memorable single chapter, whereas everything else was like, all right, this is like going to yeah. lead to something good. Or there were some good parts of this. I think black Clover may have had the potential of taking it. I really do think that, Lucius's design is what holds it back. If he had a more interesting character design, I think I'd be all over it. But as it was, I'm like, eh. And uh, MVP... uh, um, I'm going to give mine to Rip from Undead Unlock. I I, I like the mm -hmm. chapter form. I thought uh, it did a lot to flesh out his personality. Make me more interested in him, which is ultimately what you want. I'm gonna give mine to Shokan from Elusive Samurai. Okay. I like. I really like that moment of uh, all the children swarming over him. It's very memorable. And then his reaction to it isn't is just like momentary horror. And then he's like, "Ah, oh, but I will kill Buddha, uh, so everything will be fine." It's like, "Oh, this guy's messed up." Yeah, this guy's got uh, definitely some problems. Yeah. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, the audience agrees with you on Shokan, by the way, and oh. the audience also picked Black Clover. As the chapter of the week. So totally understandable. Good picks. All right, guys, that is going to do it for weekly manga recap. Thank you all for joining us here on twitch.tv slash where we record the show Wednesday evenings, usually starting around 730 Eastern time. But you can also follow us on social media. Depending on if someone is going to buy it or not, I don't know. So (laughs) 
Rolo T, Nick F Time, WMR Podcast. Follow those and also follow, uh, keep up with everything on the WMR Discord. You can participate in conversations about the chapters that we recap each week, as well as the series that we cover as a recommendation. Use that to find the WMR doc, Maintime and HX3i, and make your own recommendations for future stuff for us to read and talk about. Absolutely. Uh, patreon.com slash recap if you want to chip in a little bit financially we do release uh, bonus content on there for you uh, there is monthly other recap as well as bonus episodes that happen each month uh, there is uh, you can find other episodes of the show youtube.com slash recap for video versions uh, com for audio versions and the podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify and all those places we also want to thank uh, Ninja X, yeah, our Ninja X3. Wednesday Dale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz for getting the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Manga Recap. And Steve Mann, who does tile cards for us. You can check out Steve Mann's art, Steve Mann Art on Twitter. Yes. I think that. Yeah. All right. So, I think that's going to do it. Let's, yep. uh, let's wrap this up. Let's go home. You know? All right, I guess you're home. I guess I'm yeah, home okay. too. Can I note huh. that this past week I have been in like <laughs> just ludicrous uh, brain fog. I get that. But there's moments where you're just like, what the hell am I? What am I doing? What day is it? I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yep. I we need a joke that. to go at all. We can't go off on that because that sounds sad. I'm fine. <laughs> I am fine. We need like a joke. Um... Yeah, uh, so does anyone know if... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say. Great bit. Let's wrap it up. I was going to complain about something, and I forget what I was mad about. It was something anime. (laughs) 